I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? 2022. Yeah, on this show we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. You hear his voice, Chris Derrick in the building. Over there doing big things, I'm TV talking, show on the I'm air. He could talk things. about I it now. Talk about it. <laughs> I couldn't talk about that. I was on Star Trek for, yeah, the for, um, for over a year. He couldn't nice. talk about they it. They were like, it "You ridiculous. can't say a damn word about any of that shit." Yeah. I was like, "I can't say." They're like, "No, <laughs> no." And there's a reason, and I found right. out why. What was that? I'm not gonna say a name. What do you say? Who his name? But is? somebody <laughs> got on the show. So on my show, there were, I don't want to get into too much, but but there was. A couple versions of the writers' room for the season two, ah, right. and some people left, and someone who was in that that early version was was talking about they were part of they were part of Starfleet, mm. and then they had to go before the <laughs> this the, they, 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 like their work even aired. Right. So, it and so so when it came time to do my contract, and everyone came in that from like when I came in, they were like. You can say not word one that you're on this show until it airs. Mm. I was like, why? Wow. Because like, credits might change. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. I guess I got to make sure right. I get a credit on this show. Right. It's some red oh, tape, bitch. It's some red tape. But now that it's on, there's two, like two, week, two episodes in. Uh, I guess it's been great so far. I mean, we're have they told it. you? Have you heard about how, the, how it's doing and the ratings? Um, or? I've been hurt. Look, I sent an email to Alex Kurtzman, uh Friday, just okay. after the second episode. I haven't heard back from him. Obviously, you know he's in the middle of getting uh, Manifold to Earth on the air, but yeah, I'll, I'll find out soon. <laughs> Most people I know who've seen it, mm-hmm. friends of mine, I, I were like, I didn't know it was gonna be like this. They were like excited because mm-hmm. like we actually like really feel a lot of emotion that, that they didn't feel in season one, which is crazy because a lot of people I know who don't work in Hollywood, who like the show or seen the show like we love that show we fucking love it we are just oh my god i can't believe you're on i can't believe you're on it and i was like i know it's gonna be cool and i kept saying to myself if you guys love season one <laughs> y'all gonna shit as the series continues because mm-hmm. we were like we gotta just keep topping it we gotta mm-hmm. like like every season we did we were like season two we got a top season one season three we're like we got top season three so you know top, top season two um i think the fans <coughs> will just be more and more excited about it i mean there's shit this won't be out till next year that people will be like <gasps> but um yeah as you see cool. Fonz, he's excited right yeah yeah i mean as, as you should be I, i'd imagine that has to be like a a long-term life if you're a fan of that franchise then you got into the world that's a dream it. first job for you i can't you know for, on, on a I network i can't tell show. you anything about those yeah. characters 
character to be honest. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but that wasn't the world that I was injected in. But I, I've known you for a while. I know that, like, yeah, like sci-fi is a commitment, mm-hmm. like the same mm-hmm. way the comic book landscape it is, is to know the the actual build up and right. the character dynamics. So it's it's impressive just to be able to get the job because you're telling them things about a world that a crazy rabbit fan base right. is like. <laughs> really possessive of oh for sure you having to like interject but this is what I think about going there and, like, and be right yeah well, and not I, fuck up no, well, I, I would say right now the, 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 the craziest shit was we would constantly say man the fans are gonna kill us if we do this I guess we can't do yeah. this yeah cause that's we were, real cause we were because you know, there's not you know we, there's not there's just that I mean look the term Trekkie Mm-hmm. And that kind of rabid fan base, I think, is the first real fan base, you know, right. like there was in right. the late seventies. Real we crazy cult, crazy cult, you talking, know. Yeah. And so to be, you know, so part of like everything we did was be like, we got to make sure that they don't call us on it, because mm-hmm. Terry would be like, I don't want to get shit on on Twitter. <laughs> I don't want to get shit on. It's a real thing. That's a real thing. This is not even it's, in your in your mind twenty it's, it's years not, ago. I know yeah. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, like the other day he posted the thing about the show that that see and Terry was so good at this and it's like, you know, it's like I didn't do it because I didn't think it was my. I always felt self conscious about doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the crazy thing is is like the people who work on the show, like the the department heads. Are fans of the show? Oh, interesting. Are like real mm-hmm. fans? So not like you just the grab show. the best art designer. They actually no, are. Just, no, okay, yeah. no, because they would ask <laughs> us shit. They would say, "Hey, it says in the script this is like this mm. kind of room," and it's like I kind of remember that's not how that we were like shit. You didn't have a you didn't have like a, a hundred hundred question screening before you got in the door. Like, don't want to work here. It was don't want to get the lunch for it, us. It you got to make sure. It, it was wild because I remember yeah. one time the production designer was like, "So you guys are saying this is the Dicothian." Crystal, are you sure this this or is it really the the reintegration chamber? We we're like, uh, well, we'll get back to you on that, <laughs> and have to go back and change the shit in the script. Right. But it was crazy because, you know, so what Terry did is that Terry would photograph a lot of props, just you know, he'd shoot small stuff that was not not revealing anything about mm-hmm. uh, the show. I mean, yeah. the season. I mean, the other day he posted there was a book that Spock wrote called. It's, not, it's fake, mm. right? The book that we just said Spock wrote a book, you know, mm. and Terry has is on the shelf in Picard's library, and it's not just it's a hardback book, and it's not just the 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 spine. It's like opens up. He's like, and every page is some shit. Huh. It's like so if, you, if so if someone wanted to pick it up, mm-hmm. they could go, oh yeah, it's not just the title page. It's like deep. It's so much deep shit in there that there's, there's pressure on those guys didn't yeah. have to do, our, our but they wanted to do, <laughs> yeah. you know, like the um. <clears throat> Remember, there was like some brandy. No, no, there was some scotch mm-hmm. that was like uh, um, uh, in his on his little, little liquor table. It was called, you know, that was named after like like Scotty's like like label and had his crest on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, y'all motherfuckers are going too deep. I mean, who gonna even see? I mean, come on, even get over here. Right. But that's how like detail. But that's how detailed the yeah. shows. That's how much they like love that show and that's love that world. And it was this awesome to be a part of it we so. all hope to get on a show where they care that much for sure um so cool if you guys are grown let's go ahead and get to the show so today we got little bro on the show my neighbor live right next door ain't that a bitch what up like bro? right outside the door <laughs> <laughs> like i could hear everything just over there making noises 
Sure. <laughs> I heard y'all like three o'clock in the morning this morning. I'm like, what yeah. are they doing up this goddamn late? Just <laughs> all, that's one thing I love about you guys is all I hear is laughter from your room. That's great. You guys are always having fun with each other. It's you know? intentional. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think so, that that's sort of what you, you know, uh, at this point in life, happiness is a, is a is a major currency. Right. You know, we don't have that or peace could disrupt anything you're trying to do, especially right. in our in our space. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the show, everybody. Writer himself. Well, go ahead. I want to say something on that. Go ahead. It's interesting you say that because I'm reading this book now called um, um, Indistractable. Okay. You know, it's written by this guy who wrote a book called Hooked about how the social media companies and everything get you hooked on what, what their techniques right. are. And then he realized that, oh, I got to write a book that like counter programs that. He's talking about why people get distracted. Why do they allow like their social media and stuff like that to disrupt what they're doing? Sure. You know, and he was like, you know what it is? It's because there's a pain point that you are not addressing. Hmm. That you are right. that your that you uh, your subconscious is like not dealing with something that is that you that's that's a issue for you in your life, and it, and it's like and the distraction helps you like and you seek it out because mm-hmm. you're like, how do I avoid? thinking about that you know mm-hmm. what you're saying is like you know if you can it's a great thing that cu- happiness is a currency because you got to be able to like it, like that's the wealth you got to really build indeed you know indeed. so yeah so welcome to the show everybody my man i never is it finance there it is that's what i thought but we call him fines because he cool like that <laughs> talking about hey <laughs> finance fines williams everybody writer himself what's happening my man uh you know, a whole bunch, man. Yeah, and, yeah. And not, and not enough at the same time. It's one of those <laughs> things, you know. I used to, I was I was up pretty late last <clears> night. It's just it's been the case for for a while. I'm <clears> in <throat> the process of uh, uh, starting pre production on the on this film I wrote. Nice, with, nice. Um, this uh, up and coming <clears throat> uh, talent comedian by the name of Ha Ha Davis. Okay, he's a, he comes from the internet, uh, from social media. A little bit over seven and a half million followers, and nice. just it's a good, really good amount. Interjected him into the space. He's been, uh, but even beyond just the followers, he's been able to establish a lot of cultural currency. Like okay. he's the one. If you look within the culture, people who think that he could be like the next Kevin Hart. Nice. So, so he's um, an influencer he's right to, now. That's good. He's yeah. an influencer, but I think <clears throat> any any actor post 2016 mm-hmm. in many ways has a social media presence how right. many of them have the ability to transfer from from that space to the next space right. a handful oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> three yeah well i mean like, it's something that i always um you know i i, I always have to it's something that's always interested me like mm-hmm. what's the metric of transferring from social media to another you know, to, to a different kind of platform that will move people. You know, like sure. it's one thing to be influenced. I mean, the influence thing is like when I mean, people, you know, like they give them stuff to wear and you know whatever they give mm-hmm. like these clothes and cars and mm-hmm. jewels and shit. But it's kind of like okay, but like how do I get you to do something else to really influence your behavior? And it might be to pay money mm. to watch some a movie that you're in mm. or spend your time to watch them on TV. Well, you know, you know we're at a point of the last, I want to say, 10 years now. We've been, you know, I'm always in some casting session somewhere. There's always the producer going, oh, well, they have... Three million followers. It's vital. We could use that. For and I'm sure. like, but the bitch can't act. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, well, we could work with her. I'm like, 
<laughs> no. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're so, they want it immediately. They want the audience quickly. They want to make sure you get their money back. They're willing to risk it, you know, a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and overall, the, the business over the years has gone through their own sort of phase with the influencer. They think that it's a one-size-fits-all approach. Mm -hmm. And that's oftentimes Mm -hmm. where I think you go wrong. To answer your question earlier about, it's really about engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have 5 million followers, you have 100 million, and he has 20. But when I post, 4.9 million of my followers engage. Mm. You have 100. But when you post... 2.1 2.1 million of your followers engaged. Mm-hmm. And so, so you look at the percentage, yeah, you look metric? at how, yeah. how mm-hmm. do people do people care? And for me, I always look at the cultural impact. Are the things you're doing translating into how people interact? You know, we, we're old enough to remember how massive Steve Urkel was when he mm-hmm. came into the game. Massive. Mm-hmm. Massive. Massive. You know, like everywhere. Everywhere. Urkelos, yeah. he has cereal, mm-hmm. and so you start looking at Urkelos. <laughs> I was eating, you know what I'm saying? The, he had a doll, he had everything. He was <laughs> pulling string. Did I do that? You know, like classic stuff that that, that resonates forever. Yeah, that's yeah, some that's shit. That if he look, if he was coming out now and he had his damn his IG, the Urkel dance? yeah, the, like oh, all dude. that shit would be crazy. Yeah, he'd be yeah. huge. He'd be huge. Oh. Like, you know, so much so that, you know, this isn't a plug for it, Jaleel, but I think he's been able to translate that into yeah. the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. So, um, my Wait, whole, he's my, an my entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't get it. You yeah. might not see his face on TV as much. The motherfucker's doing shit. He's still, yes. he's still, he's still, yeah. ma- you know, made a right. way. He ain't broke. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think it, it's mm. every era comes this new, this new thing, but, uh, cultural currency doesn't go away. What yeah. Jaleel did through the mechanism of the 90s television was important. What I think, you know, the, the kid I'm working with, Haha, what he's been able to do is create these catchphrases that has the whole game saying them, mm, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. So that lets me know, one there's, one, there's always currency in catchphrases. We remember what you're talking about, Willis. Oh, God, yeah. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. using those things as like how these things mean in time and now we're in an era where you can capitalize on that mm-hmm. so when I think about where the people come out his fan base is so engaged and they're waiting but also mama it's, it's, it's very I can't important. breathe <laughs> mama I can't yeah, breathe they, they, yeah yeah we they go on and on they go on and on dynamite dynamite uh, Raj, yeah. you know, whatever it may be but, the, but these things penetrated the, um, the space and we live in a different time where everyone has their cell phone mm-hmm. and re- believe it or not, even the things that we do, certain audiences are on their phone way yes. more than they're watching television. Yes, for fact. sure. And this is just the reality of it, right? For, absolutely. So, so me as a creator over the years, it's just been about like not being boxed in, but also looking at what 2028 looks like mm. and like where my position in terms of uh, that. Because the media climate is no longer, it's never going to be the same. You know, it, it's changed five times in, right. in the 15 years that I've been out here. Mm-hmm. So knowing that it's important to have a, um, a perspective on the future. So talking about yeah. you being here for 15 years, where you, where are you from? How you got to the game in the first um, place? Originally from Detroit. The D. Uh, the D, you know. Yeah. Me from too, Detroit. me too. Uh, what, what, part of, what part are you from? Uh, I grew up primarily on the east side, okay. but I but I was sort of schooled on the west side at, at points. So both sides of town. Okay. I, I lived in Southfield uh, before I left 
spent some time in Ann Arbor. Uh, so just been around that that area. Mm-hmm. But I, I went to school at King, which is downtown in okay. Detroit. Um, so great, great, great time. I mean, I, I always miss Detroit. And in many ways, the reason why I started working with this kid, Haha Davis, was <coughs> he's from my neighborhood. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was interesting because I was at a point where I had been commissioned to write this, this uh, horror feature. Mm-hmm. And like you know, you have to go to this dark place when you're writing that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and I so, do a lot of them. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's what I started to doing to balance things out, I would l- watch internet comedy, mm-hmm. and I was seeing people like Tony Baker and all these really funny people, and they were mm-hmm. like, many of them were bringing in concepts that just needed to be expanded. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had jokes that were bigger jokes than they were even aware yeah. of, and, and there was there's such a volume. actually a story in there. Somewhere. Yeah, there's yeah. something there mm-hmm. that that they just don't have the the ability to translate beyond that format. Okay. And so I was really in, interested in, in connecting with one of these comics and this particular individual was from my neighborhood. So mm-hmm. I felt even that much more vested to mm-hmm. to get involved, but mm-hmm. also he had a comedic sensibility that sounded like my aunties and oh, my, right. and my, and my yeah. uncles and my cousins who, mm-hmm. you know, I got it. Mm-hmm. And so we started, started working and... Um, did you just reach out to him as somebody you knew? Uh, I, I didn't know him. I, okay. I just reached out to him. Mm-hmm. I just reached out to him. I mean, Detroit's a small place. Right. If you if you have any kind of ability in the city, you can get Seven anybody. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I've, I've walked up on... 30 degrees? 30 degrees. <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> probably smaller than that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly, I can yeah. walk up to the mayor. And I'm not, and I'm not a, a big deal at all, right. but it's that kind of place. I don't yeah. know who... You know, I couldn't do that in, in L.A. <laughs> I do but, know the mayor. Yeah, yeah see, you're the mayor. <laughs> he was at our wedding. He was like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm you got to introduce me now. <laughs> my cousin. My cousin. Don't worry about it. Um, so you was born in the D. Well, Did I was, you always I was, I was born in Louisiana, okay. but, but I was raised in Detroit. Like, all right. Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to write? Like, where did all that come from? Yeah, I was lucky, man. I'm a, I'm an only child, mm. so. Ah, that tells know, it all. A lot of times Again, when, just when, you're, rap. when you're. <laughs> no, 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 not, not at all. Uh, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to just have a, a mom who didn't quite understand what I was doing, mm-hmm. but gave me enough uh, support and okay. flexibility to uh, to do it. You know, like creativity and being creative in a blue collar town where people are going to the plants to work and and living a very practical uh, existence, which there's right. nothing wrong with that. It's a great thing to have a family and do all those things, but it was never. Uh, as exhilarating as being able to create and so I started writing probably like around eight uh, we're doing stories poetry and shit uh, short stories primarily mm-hmm. I did poetry absolutely mm-hmm. um, but primarily short stories I was always fascinated with how screenwriting worked but okay. it, it seemed like a science as a, as a kid that you're mm-hmm. like it's still a science it, still is. <laughs> it, it absolutely is it, it absolutely is hashtag you, craft you know it's a craft it's a craft so I feel like it started then and I just had the freedom. I mean, I was only child, so I was cool being by myself. Like mm-hmm. you can give me a desk and a typewriter or whatever it may be, a notebook, and mm-hmm. you was good. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you don't need to be outside playing around. I, I, my imagination, <laughs> my imagination was like more than I, my my real experience okay. was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I had I was able to just be entertained by my thoughts mm-hmm. and and figure out all those things along the line. I think you just get. You accumulate. You start putting in these hours after you do it so much, and 
I started getting published in like small newsletters, probably like around twelve. Really, and then Damn. from there it just was kind of like, oh, that felt kind of good. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, the validation, you, you, right? You know, yeah. it, it started like, oh, someone's. It was so <laughs> random, and then journalism, and then this mm-hmm. is just exploring the language and 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 the, and the the best medium to communicate a certain type of story, right. the documentary. So all those mm-hmm. things has just always been fascinated with story. Okay. Yeah. And and so was it just you and moms? Uh, me and my mom, I had a stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, me, it was it was us three for the most part. Uh, yeah. Was it was it like the neighborhood you guys grew up in? Was it pretty? Was was it rough? Was it you know? Yeah, yeah. That's just when Currently, I pictured Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah, where yeah, my parents sure. are from. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so I lived in a few neighborhoods. I lived mm-hmm. in some neighborhoods that were like everyone cut their grass every single day, mm-hmm. and like I knew all I knew all my neighbors within like a 20 house radius mm-hmm. right so that was you know growing up it's not everybody called, played it's, on it's, the street everyone played on the street yeah, yeah, you know yeah. J- uh, Jalen it's now called Jalen Rose Academy but that mm-hmm. used to be called Von Steuben so that was my mm-hmm. elementary mm-hmm. school on, on, mm-hmm. the, on the west side Hubble at 8 Mile and so spent time there uh, <clears throat> my mom ended up separating with the person at the time mm-hmm. we moved to the east side okay. when we moved to the east side because that's where a lot of my family was, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't as big of a shock to me. But living the west side, the east side of Detroit, depending, it's a big difference. Yeah. You know, it's just a big difference from my yeah. attitude to the vibe. <laughs> and so, uh, but you know, I was I was able to acclimate pretty pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, one place you could ride your bike. And be good. The oh, yeah. Place, you might not want to ride that new bike over there. <laughs> oh, man. The, the first. Jack for the bike. The first, the, the first day I got my new bike, I remember going to the store. You know, uh-huh. you can't ride the bike to the store. And I didn't have a lock. So I just like <laughs> left the bike by Gone. the door. <laughs> Gone. And so I come out and there's this big kid at the time. I might be like 13, but he's like. I don't know, he's 17, 18. He, he looked like he was a strong man. You know, like he was bigger than me. Uh, and uh, he's like, yo, man, run this bike. And my mom was always like, yo, we, we can get some more stuff. It, mm-hmm. it ain't worth you getting like shot over no shit. You yeah. know what I mean? They would shoot so, you over, over a bike. bike. I'm like, yeah. I just got this yeah. bike in my mind. But I'm like, all right, man, fuck it. You can have a bike. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the kid goes, hold on, hold on, man. Come back here. He's like, man, you supposed to fight for your bike. <laughs> and so he was trying to teach me a lesson yeah, that's in this process because yeah. we live in the same neighborhood, but I didn't know this kid. Right. And he gave my bike back, Get right? So I don't know if it, what, what appealed to him in that <laughs> in that moment, but it was more so like, welcome to the east side, bro. Take, well, put, put a lock on your bike and you got to fight for your bike. And so that just taught me a life lesson, yeah. you know? See, it's an interesting thing because, you, because it's like... Um, you know, to a degree, he's got an interesting point. He's like saying, "Hey, it, like you know, like don't get punked for something like that, mm-hmm. right?" But to, you say to yourself, "Is that like behavior that kind of stems coming out of what?" Because your mom is right. Your mom is like, "It's an item. You can replace an item. It's, I can't replace you. You get a broken leg, knock the tooth out, blah blah blah." It's different if someone's like punking you for you, like hey motherfucker, whatever it is. But for an item, it's like I can give that up. Mm-hmm. I really could and not be hurt. Or if I did, if I was hurt, you know, again, this is an item. Yeah, I think this is interesting. But this interesting mentality about how important items are 
when you are in like a blue collar neighborhood. Oh you yeah, know, that mm-hmm. are, people will die for yeah. for for shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, people, and it's not even for the shoes. It's is what the, the lesson respect. he was teaching me was yeah. about was about respect and yeah. surviving in mm-hmm. a place where a person can can victimize you. But I think the point that right. you lead in with was a logic I had as a as a kid. Yeah, it's like one is you know I can get another bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I. You know, I I had a uh, you know as a crazy enough as a, like a ten year old, I used to cut grass in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I had like thirteen and fourteen to fifteen year olds working for me, <laughs> so you know I was hustling yeah. as a kid. You know, we were that's I, so I knew how much a bike cost. I knew, you know what I mean like yeah, this is, yeah, three this, yeah. three lawns, man. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So you go, you know, here you go, bro. And so right. I just think having a concept of that, and also I wasn't tied to his definition of like my validity you know what I'm saying right, right. I'm still gonna be able to walk into this neighborhood the difference is right now you're bullying me but what you don't know is that there's also people in this neighborhood who on the flip side would bring you problems because you bully me they're pro- like that's another thing the hood protected me mm-hmm. that was I, I, so I can't be like oh it was so rough I never got shot. I has I had a gun put on me before. I had I've had problems with. That's why I haven't been back to Detroit. Yeah. I had a gun put on me. Yeah, yeah. that's not a comfortable feeling. No, 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 no for sure. No. <laughs> I happened to me. I happened to me. I was third at Arbor. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was thirteen. Yeah, riding a bike like you were on yeah. a brand new bike. And my grandmother said, "Don't ride your bike up on such and such street." And I was yeah. like, "I'm from California." <laughs> Yeah, that didn't last very long. Welcome. Yeah. I came back. <laughs> Take ahead, this swing, you know. No, no, it's just, no. It's, it's it's interesting. It's just, it's. I mean, look, I, it's an interesting story because I think those are stories that, um, they're formative stories mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like these kind of events that happen because you know, you sometimes I think back about like trying to think. I was trying to write something about being a kid one time, and I was like, can I even do this? I don't. We remember enough about what it was when I was a kid to be mm-hmm. able to like tell something authentically about mm-hmm. that. But I think about oh yeah, there are these like f- f- few stories here and there that mm-hmm. you can that, that is like you said that teach you a lesson, shape yeah. you in some moments. You know, yeah. um, I know it's, it's interesting. It's interesting uh, what yeah. you're saying because you know like um, you know because like like I didn't go to Detroit until I was. Sophomore in Michigan, you know, because I'm not from from Cleveland, you know. Mm. But I, you know, but but when I was a freshman, I didn't know enough people from Detroit, you know. Was I was, you know, like I was just meeting people, you know, you know. Mm. This is like, you know, like have the, the like. How far was your school from Detroit? Um, an hour, an hour, you know. Oh, okay. But also, <clears throat> I didn't have a car. No, okay. no one had a car. Freshman yeah, college, year, so it may know. as well be five hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or... But, but then you know, but then. Sophomore year, I, like okay, so I had a car, so I could go down there. You know, it was interesting mm-hmm. to go down there. You, you meet people from all the different neighborhoods in Detroit, which is fascinating because, mm-hmm. like, Michigan's a school that, like, it's it's state school, like, like ostensibly, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like a it's a high end state school for a state school. So you meet people from like from all over Michigan, like mm-hmm. the, like the like the like the gamut of the social class, you know, going there, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. Um, and so you know, I, I just meet people from Detroit, go down there, and they go, oh, go out for the weekend of a blah. And I was like, yeah, let's get out of the, let's fucking get out of Ann Arbor for a minute. You know, it's yeah. like it's a little too white here. You know? <laughs> yeah. But then you go down there, and you're like, oh, maybe it's a little too black down here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Um, it's interesting though. You know, I mean, like, like I never had anything like 
bad or, or scarring or like what the fuck when I was down there. Um, but I, the thing I ain't is, been back since but I was but, but thirteen. But the thing is, is again, like you, I say this because it's like you go down there with friends who grew up there. Sure. And they're and 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 the hood is protecting them. Yeah, so yeah. they're and and yeah. and by extension, I'm with them. So mm -hmm. I'm being protected. You mm -hmm. know, which is fascinating. And also, I'm I'm get, I'm at that age. You know how it is when you're young. When you're a young black male. Sometimes, depending on what, what environment you're in. There's just a hostility that they sometimes have to each other, yeah. yeah. And that's just, that exists oh, yeah. in the culture, and we we need to obviously address it somehow. Um, but you know, I'm 38, so I look like oh, I'm OG now. They're not really like you know, what I'm I can walk to places. I don't look like a you know, I, I wear cardigans. So like, yeah. like I'm, I'm invisible now, and that feels good to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. To get to that invisibility yeah. place where like, hey, he's a little dude, he's like with me. But um but I would just say historically it's just been a place where you had to know the rules mm -hmm. and um and be be okay with it. I think now looking back at it, I see all, all my little cousins who are growing up and they're now young men and mm -hmm. the environment that, that, that they're inheriting. You know, part of the reason why I really want to work with Ha House so much because he's from my neighborhood mm -hmm. and just having examples go so far, you know, mm -hmm. I think that that's ultimately more than just having examples. You mentioned earlier about being able to show these young people a writer's room, give them mm -hmm. just that little peek behind the behind this curtain that mm -hmm. we're all fascinated by. Like, well, what's going on in there? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I figure that out? Just being able to show people that there's a, a different way is. Well, uh, there was a certainly the, there was yeah. um, there was a um, there was a, uh, one of the girls who was at the table was this really, really sweet little Asian girl, <clears throat> and she was really quiet, you know what I mean, and wouldn't really speak. But when she raised her hand, she dropped bombs. There it is. And I was sitting there listening, and I was like, ooh, I love this girl right here. So when it was all over, they sat and they all asked me like a question of what do I think about this and what's my advice and whatever. And I got to the, the room. Mm. And I said, I'm seeing the dynamic that's happening here. And I said, you guys may not or may, may notice it. You guys have a superpower in your room. And it's you. And she was like, huh? <laughs> and I was like, you're the quiet one. Yeah. But you're the quiet one that gives game. You're the quiet one that's like, boom, put that on the board. You know what I mean? I said, so don't worry about being quiet and shy and all. As long as you bring value he said, you always say, just give me one thing a day. Uh, That's that, fine. Look, look, that was my mantra. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I got to, yeah, yeah, I said yeah. to myself, you know what? I got to make sure something I say during the day moves the needle, mm -hmm. Wh whatever it is. I mean, it might be a question about what we're doing to switch switch the, the direction of the room or just riffing on or something that actually goes up on the board mm -hmm. or something that makes someone think about something and go, oh, you know what we need to do? Let's like backtrack everything, you know, because it, I mean, look, the th you know, the thing about being in the room is, as, as you know, is this like, like everyone has their own ability to work on a story. Some people are really fast. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Some people just kind of like, like mulled over and stuff like, mm -hmm. you know, just all these dynamics that you don't, that you when you're new have never been exposed to how other people think about story because yeah. you're in your head all the time when you're trying to get there or mm -hmm. if you're like writing novels or short stories on your own it's mm -hmm. a different thing and that is like that to me is part of the biggest 
uh, it's the learning curve is steep on that. It's like how fast can you acclimate to the room without being disruptive? Because mm-hmm. you hear about that's the one thing that like I heard about. You hear about this all the time. People who fuck up the writers' room, like they fuck up the flow and blah 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 blah. blah. And it's like you know, and it's like thankfully I didn't have that experience on, on on my show, you know. And it was like that's rare. And it was like <laughs> oh wow, this is weird <clears throat> that. You know, like all the horror stories, you know, and I've heard a lot mm-hmm. over the decade or so. Mm-hmm. And you just go, okay, fuck, it's like this. And then when it's not, but you see where people can fuck up. You see where, oh, someone could have said something. I mean, you just you see it. You mm-hmm. can see because there's these what little lows, or 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 some people. Would, I mean, some people would always want to talk, but they'd wait. You know, they mm-hmm. all had they're all it was very top heavy rooms. So they were respectful on it. Um, and Terry and Terry brought together like a great room, but it's it's very interesting to see what you're both saying about that peak behind it because there's so much you don't know about yeah, when you're just a fly on the wall and you're you just know there. that you have to. I yeah. mean, the, the biggest thing is the dynamic. So I want to know like about in your situation, is it a is it a gift or a curse because you were fortunate enough to go into a world that was defined? I think what you mentioned earlier about. The notion of being disruptive or whatnot, when you're building a world, so if it's season one or or coming back in season two, and you're building a a space, you kind of have to bring a mm-hmm. radical approach because, mm-hmm. especially if you are realizing like this could be a solution, versus it's like you're on a train. Just don't push the wrong button at the wrong time, and, and this train is going to keep moving at a hundred and twenty five miles per hour. I mean. I think that you, once you kind of figure out the dynamic of the room and how people are and like what is your, um, how much rope is everyone giving themselves to hang themselves? You is, know? Di- is dynamic hierarchy or is dynamic something No, for us, same? for us it was, um, what's the best idea? Okay. Like, 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 it was very interesting. I'd that, say most rooms are moving that way. I, I mean, the, it was very interesting that you know that when we sat down the, f- the first day, like Akiva was like, mm-hmm. um, "Best idea wins," you know. And and in my mind, I was like, "Motherfucker, you have an Oscar and <laughs> you've done fifty movies and shit. I don't know if Best Idea is going to win with you, <laughs> right. you know." Um, I, I, and you know, to a degree, I was proven wrong, except for like a couple points that he mm-hmm. that he really wanted to, you know, like drive home like um, thematically, not necessarily mm-hmm. like how we got there, but most but thematically, he wanted some things. But I mean, to me, I always figured out that it was like, I mean, I would throw out crazy ideas constantly, but I would go, "When's the time that I can do this?" Mm-hmm. And it's not like a crazy idea just to be like throwing out something that's like radical. I was like, I would kind of absorb what was happening and go, "Well, couldn't we try this?" And it was and sometimes it would work, and sometimes it wouldn't, or sometimes it would like spur something that everyone would go, oh, you know, we need to do. I mean, I, there was a, I remember this idea that like fucking I threw out that Terry fucking loved, and everybody like, and everybody fucking loved it. And I mm-hmm. mean, because he was in the room, he came in and heard about it. And he was like, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. And then they came back, and we were like, we can't afford to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, but, but, but. And and the thing is that that like I, smart the smart person learns that you can't fight there's certain things you can fight right. you know like hey like, I'm not trying to is, you like, want to go against the current well, yeah but, but you, <laughs> you sit drowned in, yeah you, you say to yourself are you saying no because you don't like it or are you mm. saying no because you can't afford it or are you saying no because there's something else that you're trying to do right? and it's you as the writer 
have to kind of like gauge that from mm-hmm. there's so much like reading people. I think what you're saying about this woman, this Asian woman who's quiet and the younger people in the room probably don't know how to read that from her. You know, oh, she's not saying that, but when she does, she says this. Like, there are a lot of people like that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and those people, uh, I think, I mean, not the stereotype, but I did hear there was a guy who was Asian who was in our room and he was saying, look, he was saying, look, we as an Asians get kind of like groomed into not being disruptive, mm-hmm. you know, so so it's hard. It's, so he's like, so, so it's we part of the culture. It's part of our culture, you mm-hmm. know, like we don't ask what we want all the time, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but, and it's interesting to know that, like, that's what I'm wondering with her is part of her thing, like, she just doesn't want to be like, oh, like, is she truly quiet or is she quiet? Because it's, it's deference from the way culture is for her, mm. you know. Because she's got great ideas, and she's mm-hmm. dropping big bombs, and she's not really shy because she wants to say them. Mm-hmm. But she knows uh, this kind of like I don't want to do that because I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Like it's interesting, and it's an interesting place that you, that, that you have to write. Her. I could see her loosening up if, if if this was a room that went on all the time. She would yeah. be much more loose, but because it was like their first day that they started the room everybody was getting used to the dynamics of the room and getting to know each other so it was just a little and she just would sit there and all of a sudden somebody would say something she would go I could see her going and she would be like like I got an idea (laughs) you know what I mean then she would go bam 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 and I'd be like she's smart (laughs) I love her well I mean look you know like like we had a Zoom room for the most of season two, and it was hard oh, for me to like get into the dynamic of the people because because a lot of them had worked together before. And then season three, we, were, <laughs> we then we were the second half of season two and all of season three, we were in person. And season three, because we were doing something so different than what the, than what was following, I kind of felt like, well, I have more. I've got more. Re- I got more freedom now because I'm not shackled in by what. Because I came in, there was a document what the season was going to be. It was just like mm-hmm. kind of follow that. And then season two, three, it was like, hey, let's just create this all from scratch, like you were saying. You, you had, and at that point, I remember they all said, "Oh, there was that moment that you that you turned, Chris. You just sort of talking more in the room." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, two things happened. Like, like one, I got brought back, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I didn't feel like that I was on probation the whole time <laughs> and walking the ice, <laughs> you know. And two, it was like, yeah, I have shit to say. I just didn't want to step in anyone's yeah. shoes because I don't. You're know. always worried about losing your job. All, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. So it's 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 an interesting yeah. thing you're saying about Fonz. I'm just bringing back to what you're saying." about like you know like the dynamics that you got to learn and the peek behind the curtain and, and what yeah. you want you know what you want to see and, and what you can see yeah you know and also just like I mean you know as Hillier mentioned earlier that the that rooms are shifting their thoughts about how they see the individuals at the table I feel like you know 10 years ago that wasn't always the case Mm-mm. if you walked in the room you had to like bow to showrunner a you had to like know about their quirks and, mm-hmm. and yet it was just such, it was I, you're worried about so many other things than like am i bringing the most the best creative but also in that process because there's egos involved if you're on a level as people want to decide that mm-hmm. you have to you're, you're delivering on that level and that's what their expectations are if you mm-hmm. deliver over that level it's not always welcomed and that's the part that really 
still leaves a, 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 a not a favorable taste in my mouth about that part of just people yeah. because creativity is something that you either have or you, you do don't. not. Yeah. <laughs> it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. You either can do it or you cannot. And regardless of your level or whatever you're thinking, most of the times people have original material that gives them jobs. Yeah. So obviously I know right. how to conceptualize the mm-hmm. world and create characters. They're, th- they're, they're dynamic. They're three-dimensional. They're, mm-hmm. They have uh, flaws, you know, et cetera. But, you know, there's levels. There's always levels in life, and, that, and that's okay. But I, but I, but I, I do think that sometimes those things are can work against the against sometimes what's best for the for the, for the product for the, for the project. Product. Yeah. And, and so, mm-hmm. my last experience, I worked on a show on BT, and it was interesting because the I'm I'm de- I've been developing for the last five years and I wasn't really caring about staffing as much just because I was like me for three I'm, I'm creating worlds yeah. that's what I'm, I'm most interested in doing and mm-hmm. because the industry is now a lot more open to taking those risks and buying scripts from people who didn't have to go through 13 levels to, right. to get yeah. And that, yeah. to, to prove to you that you read the script mm-hmm it's not going to change. <laughs> That's who the character is. Yeah, I said it. You know what I mean? Like, so, but it's one of those things where like, I have respect for the, the, the craft. I respect for the, how the industry has been structured. I, I literally step by stepped it. You know, I went from a writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, did that. I did you know, like those things were like what you had to do in the step by step of mm-hmm. a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm seeing like literally like, <laughs> business affairs assistant getting 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 staff writing jobs. <laughs> yep. Great. If that's what you're good at and and, and, and and it works. But I said that to say that the the world shifted and I'm happy where we are where we're going creatively because a lot of those um dynamics I think were were enemies to progress. The only thing that's I find I'm curious to know what you guys think. <clears throat> the only thing I find that's more difficult today. You and I we've been talking about this for ten years. The only thing that's more difficult today, it used to be you come up with this great pitch, and if your agents or reps, or if you knew somebody, you can go and pitch that thing. They'd buy it. They'd hire you to write the thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to write something. Go, I have Denzel attached. I have Carl Seaton, who's going to direct it. I ha- you got to have elements. Absolutely. And I'm like, why are we going to you then? You're the studio. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they expect you to come with all these things, and then they want to fight you on you being a producer on it. It's like, I produced by bringing the the element. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's well, a funny well, thing. It's a weird what? situation we're in. I mean, like, you know, like, I do a lot of what Fonz is doing. Just because I try to look at, like, what's happening. Like, <clears throat> like so, like, where do you want to be in the next five years, right. eight years? And think about, like, like, how to shape yourself. And I think that, like, I've noticed it, and I, and I noticed this probably 10 years ago, maybe, or maybe a little longer, is that the industry, the executive ranks of the industry, so the people who get to say yes or no to things, and the reason why everyone's like, why did they be around? And it's this theory that I came up with a long time ago, is that, like, the studios and stuff like that, they're ad agencies. Mm-hmm. They are like, and I always used to wonder, like, how come, some, like, those big mass avenue, like, those ad agencies that, you know, don't own a movie studio? Like, how, how come they don't buy them? Because all a movie studio is, is truly, in the last 15 years, is a specialized ad agency. And financing company. You know, a financing company. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, hey, 
I know how to take your product and sell it so it can be dog shit. And most of it is, but I'll make people come see it and they'll, and they'll spend a billion dollars on it mm-hmm. because that's what we're good at doing. And so the, the industry is so, is so much more filled with business people who are skilled on that thing. And they're not skilled creatively and they're not skilled on, and because they're business people, they don't know. Yeah, they run Hollywood like that. Run, yeah, they run yeah, Hollywood like that. Sure. But, they, but, but, but they also don't know how to like get the relationships with the people that are going to like. See, the thing is, it's like, okay, you mentioned Carl Seaton, you mentioned mm-hmm. Denzel. Okay, so it's like, okay, so how do I get Denzel if I'm some guy who's been working on Wall Street for 10 years mm-hmm. and then decide to come here? You know, like there's a guy that we both probably know, all know, who's an agent who did that. You know, mm-hmm. a, he works in a, you know, I mean, he's a great agent, but it's like, hey, but 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 all the time you spent like working in marketing and business affairs and Wall Street stuff like that, you know that world. That's the year that like those are the years everyone else is out here is going to be able to meet. Hey, I know so and so, right? Or I can get to so and so, so let's go get them. Mm-hmm. And but and so there's less and less people who work at the studios who have a connection to the talent. But let's speak to that point because you think about historically, there's been barriers. Agencies exist from exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to go through four or five steps just to talk to right. this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's honestly, rolling the calls already. You know, rolling calls. Yeah. Honestly, I've been fortunate enough because I, I know a lot of these young talents. I hit them up on DM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Why right. am I gonna do all that? Right. Need right. to know right. now. Cut the middleman. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. Do you want to do this, man? Yeah, I do. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. We're gonna. No. Do you want to do it? No. No. Th- th- it th- saves th- so th- much of my time. I didn't have to go through these extra layers mm-hmm. of uh, unnecessary mm-hmm. stuff. And the reality is now we're all connected. The internet exists. LinkedIn exists. Yes. There, there's no, if you're strategic enough to know who does mm-hmm. what, call them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we were just living, we were just inside of our house for two years. <laughs> you couldn't make any calls in two <laughs> years. You're not hustling. You're not thinking. Like, yeah. like just exactly. all these people up. I, right. I made a hundred new contacts and never left my house. Mm. And so I think we're in this place of interconnectivity where we, if you, it's not, I'm not saying that every writer has to have multiple skills to hop in the executive producer hat and do all these other things, but it helps. We're just in that place right now <laughs> yeah. where, well, like, well, yeah, no, but, but, but like, I think you do need to have those skills. Be, sure. See, see because because if, if you're not, then you're subject to what you're saying of how do I get the 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 studio to move, and they're not gonna move because they're expecting you to do so much. And uh, and to me, it's like that's fine. Let me do what I need to do, and 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 you know, and make those moves because it's like to me, it's like I feel that the whole studio thing is still. It's still in that realm of like, oh, we're just an agency, and this is all we can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 not enough creators know that it's like, um, yeah, you know, not enough creators know that they should take the reins on what they're doing. They need to move that way. Because I remember, okay. like, like you can't when I, wait anymore. You can't wait anymore. Yeah. I remember, like, when I was sitting. <clears throat> I, I remember back when we first met. I was working at this company, and this guy, and this this. This uh, completion bond company, and I remember my my we were doing this movie called Brothers that had Tobey Maguire, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. and fucking Natalie Portman, and and they were doing it for so little money, and I was mm-hmm. kind of like, and I, I was like, the budget of this is like is like like is Maguire's reported salary for like Spider Man three and shit like this? Wow. How is he doing this movie? And my boss was like, 
a real producer can get the talent to do with, with like below their quote. It's usually a role they never played yeah. before. So, it's usually but, something. But, but, but whatever yeah. it is, it's like that's yeah. your job. Right. If that you, and that's what the studios can't do anymore. Right. And therefore, it's up to you to do that. Because if you can do that, like you said, you, you can make the connections. You can mm-hmm. do all these things. You can meet these people in in a way that if you approach them the right way, they're on the right day. They go, oh yeah, oh this sounds cool. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the guy ha was like that. You probably, probably like, I mean, like look, you probably pitched him in the right way. They got him interested. He wanted to know more. You told him more. He's like, I'm in. I brought you know? I brought four IPs to him that, that I was re- like, no, let's go. Right. So mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and I knew his uh, his, uh, his style, and I kind of had a good idea of where he was trending in the industry at the time. Right. Um, you guys probably remember Chance the Rapper, of course. His yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. his first album, uh, the Coloring Book. Mm-hmm. Ha ha narrates it. Oh, like, really? He narrates. Excuse me. He narrates that album. Okay. So if you hear the voice. Uh, Big fella, and like, like mm-hmm. there's a you don't want no problems, big fella. So mm-hmm. he that that's his voice. Oh, okay. and so we saw people like Chance and Snoop and Jay Z and like all these people who over the years have just naturally gravitated towards him. Number one, because he hasn't been lazy, he's had the output. He's a lot of people who go viral. It's lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. and they think, "Oh wow, I went viral today. This is going to matter tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to matter tomorrow. Be a millionaire tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, and, 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 the, and the tough part about it, I want to see you do it again. Exactly. Then I want to see you do it again. Yes, yes. Then I want to see you do it a thousand more times. Mm-hmm. And if you you can't see yourself doing a thousand more times, you should probably do something else mm-hmm. because it's gonna it's it's one of those things that's required along the way. Yeah. It's just like the a commitment. And so, I think I was you know. Let me Fortune. let me just ask you. You were talking about you, the last show you were on uh, five years ago was a was a BT show. No, I, no, it's, uh, uh, it came out last year, two thousand twenty-one. Okay, I thought you said something about that. Forgive me. Um, what was? How did you get on that show? Because you you had been an assistant for oh, a minute. Yeah, yeah. You worked your way up. Like what happened? So um, I was a writer's assistant on a show called The Unusuals. That was mm-hmm. the first show. I worked for a guy named Noah Hawley. Mm-hmm. Noah was a He's uh, huge now. He's, not, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the yeah. best writers mm-hmm. in the town. Uh, learned a lot from him. Uh, it was his first show. We got canceled. Uh, it was a mid-season show, ABC. Wait, shows get canceled? Of, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it was, it, was, it was my first, like, you know, introduction to kind of like, okay, this is the reality of the business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I also learned a lot from Noah because I was there from, like, draft two. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. the casting process. He, Jeremy Renner wasn't Jeremy Renner in 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was a guy from like these crazy independent mm-hmm. films. We all saw the talent, mm-hmm. but he wasn't like a guaranteed name. Right. Now he's a guaranteed name. Right. Noah fought for this guy. And so I started seeing like, man, you got to fight for your vision. Mm. Like, <laughs> he wrote like a 13 page essay to the studio head and it was tied I still remember this Stephen McQueen where art thou gone <laughs> and he contextualized how he felt like Jeremy was the modern day Stephen McQueen hmm. and it was I was like oh this dude's hmm. going right. so anyway it was my first experience uh, great 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 time got a chance to live in Brooklyn uh, came back to LA and at that point, you know, again, in 2010, 2011, 
uh, I still feel like the trajectory of a of black writers, especially in this town, you know how it goes when you're talking about TV, mm-hmm. we have to go through these entryways. Mm-hmm. We got to go through this program or that program or these things that end up vetting you to just make sure that you're prepared to deal with some something that you either do mm-hmm. well or you do not do well. You could be the greatest person. We all know great people, mm-hmm. but if they're not talented, I don't particularly <laughs> want that. You know? So anyway. But, but, I don't fuck with you. That's <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not, nothing personal, but I just yeah. think that like these are all, the, to go back to earlier, about dynamics and about um, the the way in which there's a structure or infrastructure yeah. person put in place. So I was a part, I, I went through the step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. I was a writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. Show got canceled. Couldn't couldn't go from writer assistant to, to staff writer. Ugh, bummer. Show, shows the wrong 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 show. Had to come back now. Start all over. Right. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, the way that we get in is through the Fox Fellowship, the CBS Fellowship, the Disney thing, the Disney Fellowship. Mm-hmm. The Disney Fellowship is one of the more challenging ones because everybody applies to this. So now I know <laughs> it'd be six thousand motherfuckers trying to get five thousand people. <laughs> <Exactly>. So now <laughs> I, I got to prepare myself after coming off of a show mm-hmm. to go to battle with all those things. And mind you, at this time I'm classified as a drama writer, which that is still my that is my core skill. But you know, you're going into it. Mm-hmm. Fortunate enough to go through the whole gauntlet. Got on. Got got in. Got on the staff on the show called Detroit One Eight Seven. So you got an ABC project? I did. Okay. In 2000, yeah, I remember you wrote this script. It was a um, as a Mad Men, mm-hmm. where they were like, well, that was a hot script. They created that was a hot script. Like yeah. they were doing the work on Tab. Was you it remember that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's so crazy about that spec? Mm-hmm. The next year, Mad Men ended up doing. Hmm. They ended up, that was like their storyline was Diet, Diet Soda. So that that spec yeah. ended up getting me into the That's program. Right. So I, I loved I loved that show, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. Fast forward, got on Detroit One Eight Seven, and I'm the only Detroiter on the staff. But I'm also <laughs> uh, a black guy on the staff. I'm, I'm, I'm also it was one of the black guy on the, on the show, but he was a staff writer. I'm, but I'm not even just seen as I'm seen as a fellowship guy, right? Oh yeah, and, and there's that so, stigmata. So, yeah. so now I have this. He's stigma. the diversity hire. God, and mind you, I just had to battle five thousand people. <laughs> I was just on a show on the same network that I shouldn't even have to go through mm-hmm. this shit, but I did. And I get into the room on a show that's about my city, right? You right. know what I'm saying, right? If I can't p- p- contribute anything here, <laughs> what's going on, right? But I'm in a place where to speak to dynamics, this is my first time actually getting a seat at the table where I wasn't taking notes or mm-hmm. having to do extra stuff. And I could just focus on being creative and realistically, even though we talk about ageism going up, I was 26 turning 27 at the mm-hmm. time. And just being 1,000 with you, I'm dealing with people who weren't always vested in my success, number one. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like, who is a little 26-year-old? Who's a little 27-year-old? Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like there was that that I had to like combat, even though I can point to my entire DNA on that whole show. I'm the only Detroiter there. Mm-hmm. And, and, but that goes to the point where I felt like, even at that level, you just deal, you just learn you just learn what things are are 
you learn how to, I learned in your the lane. You have home. to stay in your lane. I mean, you, so you have to stay in your lane, but also doing your best isn't always going to be rewarded. It's yes. always going to be. That's true. Considered. So I have two things. Two things. Something reminded me, and then someone asked you about doing your best. One, it's interesting that that you were the only put on the show because even the guy who wrote the show was not from there. Was that? Do you? This this was the time when Michigan had a big ass fucking film credit. Yeah. I'm just wondering yep. if that show was set somewhere else, and they were like, "Hey, if you set it in Detroit, then we can then we'll do it because we mm-hmm. can get all this money." Mm-hmm. You know, and he's probably like, "Yeah, but but I don't know the city." Yeah, because they were so, they were gonna like blow up Detroit. It was gonna be the next Atlanta. Huge, at that time. That, remember, yeah. that, that, they were. Yeah, they, they were. It was. I think the. I think the. Tax incentive was a little too handsome. Yeah, there was no infrastructure in Detroit where they hadn't trained the local people yeah. to hire. So you got to bring everybody from Canada and some shit. Probably. Canada, mm-hmm. LA, yeah. Post, so even the benefits of the tax breaks were still spent on those type of things. Right. And, and unfortunately, when the governor changed, he was a venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. So I, I I talked to some people around leading up into that point. And I knew. He didn't. He, 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 he was. He didn't want thing, it. He was. Yeah, because he didn't, like, yeah, he didn't like that shit. It's just like the thing in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy is, is. I was talking with a guy when I was down in Savannah one time, and he was telling me that the reason why Atlanta is such a big hub is the guy who set up that tax incentive in North Carolina mm-hmm. to way back do shit like Dawson's Creek. He got shut down. And he was fighting the, or he was fighting the, the a change of government governor. Some Republicans got in. He was mm-hmm. fighting what that was, and his boy was was in charge of a similar kind of like like money or whatever it is in in Georgia. And he was like, "Why don't you bring that same program down to us? Since you know how it works, you've tested it, and 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 you fucking know it works and what doesn't." He was like, "And I give you more carte blanche than what you get than in North Carolina." Mm-hmm. And they moved down to North Carolina, mm-hmm. and that's that's it because they they knew what it was, and it's mm-hmm. like they, he was able to say. You know the 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 the, the ex, what you call it, the ripple effect of being production. You know it was going to be huge, mm-hmm. and you see these guys, venture capitalists, don't see that. You well, know? they don't always. It's just been keeping one thousand. I mean, it's, it makes Detroit's been on a, a downward spiral for a long time, but mm-hmm. during that time, people have gotten rich off that downward spiral. Right, yeah. right. And I think those forces care about their profit potential of the city's decline right. versus building an infrastructure in a blue-collar town where some of these people don't have high school degrees, but their hands are really strong. They, they know how to build things. Mm-hmm. How do you... You have to care about those people. They have to also care about themselves to, to mm-hmm. participate and vote and do all those things to, 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 <coughs> to, to uh, secure it. But, uh, you know, Detroit's a, you know, a city that I love, and, and I'm always going to fight for it and... and, and rep it forever but it's a lot of challenges there man um you know my homeboy is a lieutenant governor of the state you know <laughs> that's that but that gets like it's a, it's one of those places where there's a there's a massive need yeah i think about it all the time like if you wanted to 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 make some contributions you could be a part of it, but the city also has a history within itself you know, yeah, with, 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 with <laughs> yeah. so but the second thing you said I love is that not are that you love. saying the cops were corrupt at one point and the mayor <laughs> oh, oh 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 okay you, you know what's wild but just yeah. side note on that you know what's fucking wild what's that um I'm reading this book called Before the Storm okay. it's about written by one of these 
It's about sounds the, like a zombie show. It's about no. It's about it's, it's about the it's the, about the <clears throat> rise of the modern conservative movement, right? Okay. This guy wrote four books. This is like the first book in a thing. It's all about the rise of Barry Goldwater, and he, he wrote and he got National Book Award for all these books and stuff like that. He wrote an op-ed in the New York Times in like 2017, and he was like, "We didn't know, like all these academic conservatives." are actually progressive that's why they're academics mm -hmm. because you're trying to push the, the right. agenda a certain way he was and he was like we didn't know not that we didn't know that's the wrong word we dismissed the level of what he was calling the uptown clan <laughs> in in various organizations mm. i remember he mentioned there was something called i guess the, like the mayor of Detroit was a was for, I mean I'm sorry the police chief of Detroit was a known Klansman yeah. and it's not that and he said there's a, I can't remember I think it's called the I'm gonna say the Black Mass I know that's wrong but like something like there's a group of people that were the enforcers for the the for the Northern Clan the guy the guy who was the head of the police in Detroit in the 50s and 60s was the head of that group oh, I, I was it. like God damn that's fucked oh, up yeah, yeah, yeah. and the thing is these Republicans. Totally, like, ignore that because they go, oh, we're not really that bad. We're <laughs> trying to be good. We're trying to be. No, it's fucking wrong. It's the same. Yeah, same, same shit. Yeah. The thing I want to bring up, though, back is you were saying about how doing your best isn't always rewarded sure. or, or even True. appreciated mm -hmm. by people. Not, that's the wrong word. You said well, it's not one of those, wanted. It's, it's one of those things it, that you don't want. Like, if you're, if you're paid $500,000 to sit at this table, and I'm paid fifty thousand dollars at this table, right? Your 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 word is worth more, but like you said, the best pitch wins, right? Right. right. So if I pitch something that's this size, and you pitch something that's this size, it's becoming glaring that you're worth five hundred thousand dollars. This is it's almost like a team when you're talking about the NBA. So if I now have to be aware of your inefficiencies to not do anything to shine light on that because I'm 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 more concerned about Keeping you your not job. being my ally because now I, I I'm more of a threat to you right. than, mm -hmm. than anything. And let's just keep it one hundred. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I just that was that's something. You know what I mean? No, like, it, it, it happens. It, it absolutely <laughs> is. It absolutely is. I mean, look, I know from talking with some of the guys on my show, there was conversations that you know that like that I wasn't privy to. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because like the producers are going to meet, but while brother's going to meet and have yeah. some conversations, and it's like, and I, I did hear about stuff where there was like some combustion, like between some of the upper level writers, but they didn't let that be known in that in the writers' room. It'd be like, let's take it out into to the corners. That's, good. That's organized. It always yeah. happens that way. But I think what you're saying is right: is that you do have. But is it necessary, bro? I'm, it's not, I'm no. here working on your show. No, it's not. It's not necessary. If this goes well, mm. we got a we got an image award nomination of that year, mm. and people, when you look at the press, it was all this praise about authentic authenticity, right? <laughs> That's you. That's you. I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying that like I don't even want anything extra. I'm doing. I'm just. I was taught to do your best. Mm. That's just. I was bright. Well, okay, but there's there's this, there's this, this. I'll tell you what this is. This is. I just didn't know at that. I didn't know that at the time. At, well, I mean, and the thing is, it's like I didn't quite know this. I knew it in a certain way, but I didn't know it in the same way. Is that because I had been working in movies most of this time, and it's much different because you yeah, don't meet, you meet like you're not dealing with other writers, and the egos are different, and and the roles are different, and stuff like that. But I mean. 
you said as a young black man we're taught these things what you're taught usually as a young black man is that you got to be twice as good to be to to, to get half the, the dap Sorry, right true so <laughs> and, but but the but the flip side to that if you really think about it and it's really was happening we're seeing it a lot more now than anything is mm-hmm. uh particularly in like the wake of like me too and also the stuff like this is is this thing that i took that that like that my daddy used to always say that the people you're dealing with are like they're C and D students, mm. are the people who are in charge of a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and it make and it upsets you because they're, they're they're in charge, <laughs> but you know what to do. But you recognize it. You recognize <laughs> it. You're like, what are you doing here? But the, but, but but the thing that I say now is because I remember reading this one this guy Thomas Freeman's book about something, and I was like, oh, you know what it is? It's the tyranny of the mediocre white man. Because that is what you suffer with. He's like, you, like, hey, you know what? You didn't have to be that good to get where you are. I had to be amazing, amazing. to get where yeah. I am, and I'm beneath you because yeah. of the way the structure is. Mm-hmm. But you're just mediocre, and it's okay right. that you have where you are because this the system is designed to to, to elevate you. You know, like the yeah. system. What's, what's that guy's name? Um, uh, the Pareto rule, right? Mm-hmm. The eighty twenty rule, right? So, of of any situation. There's going to be the eighty percent that's slop, the twenty percent that's great, right? But when you get into the, so if you look at what's being made and everything like that, it's it's still there's eighty percent of shit that gets bought doesn't do anything. The other twenty percent might go to right. get a pilot order. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to be on the air. And then you flip it again, like like of that twenty percent, it's still the eighty percent. It's still it, if you look at twenty percent, there's you put the the eighty twenty on that, mm-hmm. and that is what then might get on the air. Right. Those people who are in that twenty percent, who are part of the eighty percent. Are the ones who are probably mediocre, but they've been, but they've been in the game for a minute. They've learned this kind of stuff. They've gotten to a point where they're like, oh, okay, you people are gonna trust me. There's so much about it that's like a, it's a level of trust of that that might be because the trust could be developed because you have enough battle scars, mm-hmm. not sure. because you're actually the talented person who can give something. Because like because every year these fil- these showrunners or whoever it is who who deliver something that changes your mind like who the fuck mm-hmm. was gonna do this those people are rare mm-hmm. you know i mean those i mean the names that like you mentioned noah holly he's yeah. one of those guys you know i mean i remember his fucking treatment for uh fargo yeah. was just like 40 page document on why that show needs to be and i was this like dude, dude is this this dope. is amazing but 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 it shows what's he doing you know he directed that movie did all this kind of stuff you mm. know he's not the mediocre white boy mm-hmm. who's, 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 who's been tyranny t- on you. I want to bring back something you were talking about earlier <clears throat> about the room where you learn this thing. So here's, here's what I want to talk about. You were talking about earlier about how, you know, we got to be that much better in this and this. So I'll never forget, probably five or six years ago, um, back when we could meet in person at the, at the Writers Guild, there was, um, we were having our black committee meeting. It's probably back when I was a vice chair. <clears throat> and there was these two younger writers, a guy and a girl sitting in the corner. And you know, we had already finished and people were just, I just kept noticing like they're just over there by themselves. I walked over, introduced myself and I was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, you know, we write on, we write on Dr. Phil and you know what I mean? We're not really, we're writers, but we wanna be, you know, and this and they were like so demure and not sure they were worthy of being there. And I went, so what do you guys produce like the show? And they're like, well, yeah, we do pre-produce this thing and then we, the segments that do that. And I was like, oh, these motherfuckers are smart, right? So I said this to them to inspire them. This is what mm-hmm. remind me of what you're talking about. 
I said, if I was staffing a show and I was looking for my staff, I'd be looking for writers who knew how to do what you knew how to do. So then, because what happens is we all know, you get on the show, five or six, eight weeks into the show, 10 weeks in, everybody starts going to produce and write their episodes. The room goes down to three people, right? You need that one person who I'm like, man, everybody's gone. Can you go to the set for me? I know you can do it. <laughs> I know you can handle that. Yeah even on a lower level, but they don't send them anymore because they don't think they can. But don't you think, like, you know, historically is has been a grooming process. I, I think yeah. levels exist for a reason in terms of your responsibility to the show and what you, you should be able to go through casting and, and go through all of the should phases, be. right? Should be. Right? Yeah. And, and, but some of those things, it's a it's a craft that just really requires exposure. You know, my, my, my <laughs> acting professor at Michigan was the only was the second black person to direct a Broadway play. Mm. So I, I just say that to say that like I sat at her feet, I had a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Casting is probably I probably feel like I could do that. Like mm-hmm. I can t- I, I'm really good at recognizing talent. Mm-hmm. That just means when you do casting, let me just sit in the room. Mm-hmm. But a person has to feel vested in that. Right. They have to feel vested in you. And I, I think oftentimes we don't go into warm rooms where there's someone who feels vested. Right. And I think people feel vested if they feel like there is a dynamic of this person needs me. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. or this, I, I can like, and it's it's fine. We're we're in a collaborative space, so we mm-hmm. all have to be able to bring our things to the table. I play football and basketball. Right. You need me to score, I'll score. Mm-hmm. You need me to rebound, like whatever it has to do to get the victory. Mm-hmm. That's essentially always been my goal. And I think, um, you know, uh, you live and you learn. I think my 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 last staffing experience. The show is called Games People Play mm-hmm. on BET. Uh, I came in the season in season two, and what was interesting is that. While I've been developing this series uh, with Unanimous, mm-hmm. I had a project, a project with Dion Taylor and uh, Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and we've been going through this process for you know a while now. But um, I was looking to for, to, to find showrunners, mm-hmm. and so I met the showrunner of Games People Play, mm-hmm. interviewing her. Okay. And so like, I'm interviewing her to see if she would the, would, would like the proper partner to take on with this project and ended up not being for that. She ended up just not working for that project. Right. And then she gives me a call like, I have this room opening up, blah, blah, blah. There, were, you know, the show is interesting to come in season two when you lose your lead, lead actor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's weird. And so now we have to create. It was, it was yeah. just, but I was really happy because I accepted that challenge of just being able to go in that space and, she was very supportive. This is my first time ever working for a black female mm-hmm. uh, showrunner. Uh, uh, Vanessa was very supportive, and uh, there was moments where she was like, "Like you care a lot. Mm-hmm. I do care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that sometimes we we got to understand the privilege of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you 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 know how it goes. There's certain talent just because they're in the system, they're on the they're on the ride. Right. They're going to be in a room no matter what. Mm-hmm. You're getting the same person." At a higher rate, but they're going to be in the room no matter what because they're on that ride, and that's not that's not a bad thing. But it's easy to dial it in on the show if you've been like doing it for a long time right. in the back of your mind while you're on the at the at the writers' mm-hmm. room. This happens a lot too. You have people who are thinking about their own stuff, mm-hmm. 
they feel like as long as I get two, if I say two or three pitches a day, yep. I'm good. And I'm gonna go. Yeah, and write my shit. Finish developing my show. It's funny because it's funny because again, we're dialing in at that point. You hear about that stuff all the time, and you know what? Again, I think the guys on my show were they like Terry had a room. Like there was a guy on the room, Sean Tretta, uh, fantastic guy. He got his first job with Terry on Twelve Monkeys. Mm Uh, I'm gonna see if we, if we can get him on the show because because like he's running like he'll be running Zorro so he'll be busy for a minute. Mm-hmm. But he, but I saw that in the break. Y- yeah, yeah, but um, uh, but Terry would always say he's the hardest working guy that I know. And what Sean would do, and I, I and it's, this is a testament of it, is that Sean he sold like two pitches while we're doing the. Uh, oh, he's the one. Okay, you know mm-hmm. when we were breaking the episode three right. for I mean the, the season, hmm. and it, and what he would do is he would say, "Hey guys, I just need an hour because I got to go pitch," and he'd <laughs> leave, and he'd come back, and then he he'd sit around and then like fi- catch catch up because mm-hmm. he was the number two at that point, so he could, he could and Terry wasn't even in the room with it at mm-hmm. all. So, but like, but he knew that he could leave. And he and he empowered the rest of us to kind of go and he'd come back, watch what was happening, mm-hmm. and then come in and go, guys, you know what we need to do? And and, he, and pick back up and was not and didn't let his own work kind of like like derail wow. what he was trying to do. And almost everybody on the show was like that. Mm-hmm. They all had stuff going on, but they never really let it kind of like um uh like like they weren't phoned it That's in. That's great, yeah. You know, and I think and I, I mean I think it's because just I think it's just because of Terry. I think Terry was such a, a fantastic. But you know, like historically, like network shows, for instance. Right? Yeah. We with network shows that were subjected to ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your show didn't survive the third week, <laughs> you were on a network show. <laughs> right. You were thinking about your next just, job. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even though you knew that the, your, your, your your weeks were fading out. Well, yeah. You you totally are. You totally are. I'm not mad at you, that. You know, but, but I I think what people uh, you know there's a lot of talk. Essentially, you've been up because there's a lot of talk right now. You know how Disney Plus is going to be putting ads on the shows, and mm-hmm. then maybe and the, the every place else will, and then maybe even Netflix. You know, or this one guy was like, the Netflix will take that uh, tagline from. Shit, they just raised it again on Netflix. They'll take that tagline from Seven Up ads. Never had it, never will. But uh, but the (laughs) the thing is, if they put ads on the streaming platforms, it's gonna be back to ratings. They're gonna wonder whose show mm. is doing the most, who's getting those people. Because I mean, the rating thing is gonna be not live ratings though. No, more so like. Views, right? It'd be views, yeah. but it's, but it still be a situation where you know that it's like a certain number de- so, determines success. Yeah, so yeah, because it's gonna be like, hey, <laughs> they got some candy on their ads, mm-hmm. as opposed to hey, they got like car ads. Yeah. So you know the car ads are the show that people are watching. Yeah. The candy ads ain't no one watching that shit because it's bullshit. <laughs> hey, who ain't spending enough money on Skittles and shit? But you spending money on Tundras and whatnot. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens if like if if the streamings take ratings and and does that affect the same way yeah. that because they might put them out because yeah. more and more streaming companies are, are dealing with those put out like an episode at a time not all of it at once yeah. um i just think that they're gonna it's interesting you say that you're right about yeah. people letting letting not focusing yeah and here's the thing it's i don't think that you know it's just a part of it's a human nature thing mm-hmm. we, every week we have to we're self-preservationists, so we're going to do the thing that position us. But we're also 
trying to push something up the up the yeah. hill, you know, like I, I've never just been cool with like I, I like it to be good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I, you know, so those things are uh, it's just interesting, man. They, the, the the business is shifting. I think you have to wear multiple hats. Uh, you have to think about the end game. It's been, you mentioned it earlier the, when you were talking about the book on uh, Picard that you were describing. All I could think about was merchandising, to be honest. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I worked one of my earlier jobs, I worked in marketing at New Line Cinema when I first got out here. That was like okay. one of my first gigs. And uh, I just remember seeing like all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. They had everything. You, you, you can't even imagine. Every product, toothbrush, anything you Band aids, all you like, the fuck? Everything. I was like, yo, now this is the power of Band-Aids had precious. Exactly. What was that guy's name? Smeagol. Gollum. Everything. And like, I think about, you know, the Star Wars verse, essentially. And I th- those those things are really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. What's happening in Web 3.0, what's happening with NFTs, <clears throat> what's happening with us just thinking about non-traditional approaches to the business. The business, just being 1,000, is losing its luster. Kids watch TikTok now. Yeah. Kids consume micro-content. Yep. Brands engage differently now. Product placement can actually end up working really well if you know what you're doing right. as opposed to just throwing something in there because it feels like we have to, we have to fulfill our, our marketing uh, agenda. Yeah, I mean, like, like, honestly, what you might see is you might see product placement of movie ads mm. in TikToks. Oh, I wouldn't For be sure. surprised. Because it's like, who's yeah. going to watch this? No, you're absolutely right about the 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 industry you know, like, like film and TV has lost its luster for, for a lot of reasons. But I also think that it has it because I think that kids today, they live in like a, they're approaching like a post-narrative world, you know? Because I think that when we were growing up, and this is, you know, so I think that the the power of stories like meant something to us. Like, sure. like stories like, you know. They resonated with they you. They resonated with you, what they were saying, what they were about, mm-hmm. who was in. Take you back to a time, like all that. You the know, themes, the yeah. themes of it is your child, you read stuff, it resonated. I don't mm-hmm. think that, that's why I say we're in a post-narrative, we're approaching that now because when you watch things these like like micro content your attention span is reduced down mm-hmm. to like eight nine ten seconds yeah. everything's about pace and yeah, yeah, you know then i don't really know what y- y- i mean like like <clears throat> how would a story resonate for you you know it, it probably doesn't like stories probably don't i mean well, it's just yeah. aging right so like if you're uh someone under 21 your real life experiences are a little bit more limited, but you also look at great stories like Euphoria, and, mm-hmm. and then we delve into the com- we delve into the complexity mm-hmm. of how young people today are. I wouldn't want to be a young person today, man. There's so much shit going on. Like it seems hard. Like yeah. these kids are popping pills. Like it's a different time. Mm-hmm. They're exposed to so many things. There's so many insecurities, social media bullying. Uh, it's a real world that that's filled with dramatic potential, mm-hmm. but we, it's, it takes a lot of understanding. But also, when we look at you know TikTok or Instagram and all these things, dopamine is released in our brain, so it's really a chemical process. Mm-hmm. So you're getting these micro doses constantly, and then you have this interactive component with likes. Mm-hmm. 
likes. These likes, uh, people, kids are addicted to them. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, been, you know we we know that. Yeah. You'd be mad. I only got two thousand hits. Oh, no, it's like you it's, know, it's, it's, it's connected yeah. to <laughs> it's our. Over. It's connected to our self esteem. Sometimes yes. it's connected to this notion of of of, of worth, and it's transforming how people are projecting their reality into the world. There's all the, so there's so many things. And now we're all creators, if, if you call it that. There's, there's, there's levels, obviously, and mm-hmm. there, you know, we can do stuff on a longer form. Uh, but that's going to continue to extend. And the reality about this notion of fame, mm-hmm. that's not real. I know it feels like it is. It's real to a degree, but it's losing, losing the notion. Right. Because everyone isn't going to know you because it, we're it doesn't all, last. Cons- we're not, like yes. Bill Cosby's famous. Right. Like those people who right. get thirty five shares and, and with a time where like all of America was paying attention to you, <laughs> so they're good. famous. You don't know. You may not know who JoJo Cy is. Right. You may know who she is. You may not know who mm-hmm. she is. But JoJo Cy will probably be a billionaire before she's twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. She's raising the next uh, mm-hmm. next group of of uh, consumers. So I, I think about that a, a whole lot. But also just think about. Yale and, and, and NYU and all these schools that historically pumped out great talent, they're still going to pump out great oh, talent. Yeah. They're still going to be excellent actors. <clears throat> but I do wonder, because I see this with my friends, who are a lot of who are fantastic actors, but hate social media. They we hate, we they, get people they, on our show all the time. They, I don't even have a, I don't even have Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I get it, mm-hmm. but... Don't let the world pass you by. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> yeah. you're right because it's like you know the thing about especially people our age like we're like hey, in social media. But, yeah, yeah, but the thing about social <laughs> media and how what you about you saying about don't let the, th- the world pass you by. It's like I actually use it on a tagline for this future thing I was working on. <laughs> um, is that you? It's like you're right about. It's like. It's 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 a chemical thing. It's like it's the you know it's funny. I was telling someone the other day. The dictator phone. Yeah, we, I was telling someone the other day. We were talking about um, a Clockwork Orange. Mm. You know, and, and I was like, oh, it took me a while to figure out what that movie title that movie title means. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, think about what the title is. The t- and it wasn't until I saw a poster of it one time. I don't think I ever know it, and I've seen it at least forty times. So, so there's a poster that I saw one time that I clarified it for me. Okay, it was an orange, and inside was like a gear inside the orange, and I was like, oh, I get it. Huh. You can't make a human, like you can't make a machine to replicate or like something organic. Huh. You know, it's like that's what he's saying. It's like okay. you know, like there's there's a certain amount, like 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 in that movie they're trying to like trying to shift his brain right. around. They're trying to make him a robot mm-hmm. so he can fit in society mm-hmm. because it being that's the orange is like yeah. who he really is. It's like we can go in and make you fake, you know, mm. if we t- tweak you enough. And um, I was like, oh yeah, that's what that movie's telling you. That's what that title is telling you. It's such a that's weird title because yeah. it and and you just hear it and you really re- right. and it, it really clicks in all the images from the movie. Not what the title doesn't. It almost it, it, the title like almost feels like something alien because it's such a weird like phrase. Yeah. Uh, and number one, you're like, what is? And because you know we don't deal with clocks or watches anymore. <laughs> clockwork sounds so tripped out in his own level you know um but that's, that's a brilliant yeah, title, though, but that's but, th- th- but that's what i was like this is what this movie is about and i think that when you look at what happens with social media what you're saying is 
the aspects of the likes, the what you mean like these the social components. The social components. Yeah. The mm-hmm. People who are like people look at their phone, their front phone, and use that camera and don't like the way they look. And I'm like, yeah, oh, but yeah. That, I'm like, yeah, but that's a distorted lens. Don't you know it's a distorted <laughs> lens? That's not how you look. And people get plastic surgery sure. to look good on that. I was yeah. like. They're all kind of filters. Oh, yeah, people, people are turning themselves to look like filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like, what are you really doing? <laughs> like, you're really out of your mind, yeah. you know? Um, but it's like, but I think what you're saying is, it's like, but we have to be aware of that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's changing. It's, but those are the things as writers, as creators, where we're, I always felt like, even as a child, I was studying humanity. I'm yeah. paying attention to everything. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. noticing the things that aren't said. I, you know, all those things, and where we're going like I don't know if you guys are watching Euphoria but like yep. it's an intense show and it's one of those things where you're like we were shooting out here the other day and then so was they, yeah. yeah these little kids are like they're dealing with it and mm-hmm. this is happening in every city in America but we don't we just kind of remember kids being the way they were when we were right, kids right. And, and well, they're just exposed to so much so, more I mean it's like I there's a movie on Netflix about the social media thing a couple of okay. years ago and it's like all those people who create who deal with work in Silicon Valley right. do not let their children have the stuff right really? that was addictive like, no Interesting. they don't yeah. let them have iPads they don't let them have anything like, like none of those accounts nothing they know that it's designed like I said like that uh-huh. book the book I was telling you Indistractable yeah. he wrote a book before that called Hooked that is talent. That is like value of attention. That explodes yeah. you. Expose. Ex- explodes how those you know like and it's the and it's like the gamification of it mm-hmm. and everything and the, and the way it's all been tweaked is it's just designed to get you in and never let you go. Um, I have a. It's thing, crazy. I have a thing here where, um, like, I used to have the internet here, but I would be like on YouTube every once and I'm like I came here to work so I <laughs> had to get rid- now I just have a hot spot in case I need to do something or whatever that's but it's good. very rare I never turn it on that's a good technique. you know like ever so that I just work yeah. you know it's it's addictive because I do find you'll be scrolling through you know by. YouTube you know whatever and all of a sudden you're like oh shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean it's been an hour. We, we, well, well the it average just, yeah. the average uh, person is spending the average Grand, the average total is around five hours a day. Wow! Children, Generation Z, mm. are spending nine hours a day on social media. Wow. Right? So there's only there's no we can make a million movies, but we can't make no more time. So we think about what are that people might be paying 20 attention minutes. to. So they're nine <laughs> yeah. hours. So mind you, you right. got you got to sleep eight hours. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be in school for that some of that time. So you obviously. <laughs> In school, exactly. in school on it, right. and you're going to sleep with it. So you're waking and falling to social media. Mm. But, you know, I think film, great film will always be like a, a great champagne. And, like, we're always going to acknowledge the stuff that's that's amazing. And I think that I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. I'm like, man, I cut on 16 millimeter. You know what I mean? Like eight, mil- eight millimeter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I remember splicing, yeah. Ta- taping that shit. You know what I'm saying? Taping it, yeah. real tape. And so, like that evolution yeah. right. and, and some of that process of how much time you had to put in the meticulousness of it, the the craft of it. These apps do some a lot of the stuff. Like these, these cameras are so right. fancy. So, you know, when you think about Stanley Kubrick's of the world, or a lot of the the avant garde, the people mm-hmm. who really paved the way for the aesthetic and bringing pushing the aesthetic forward. Uh, 
why have why don't we have any more avant garde mm. people was, who who we who we acknowledge that that because the 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 artists the, are, are, have have we evolved beyond hey Chris being I'm mean, gonna interrupt I'm, you I'm wondering just you just hit my brain yeah I started watching on Netflix there's a new um, Ryan Murphy documentary on on Andy Warhol have you seen it mm-mm, mm-mm. dude I didn't realize I'd forgotten he has movies that he yeah that feel, he shot have yeah. you seen them no I haven't seen them. They're a trip. They're all like sexually, like well, S and M, like weird. T- I had no idea. You know, okay, so t- you Cause that was a vibe in New York. Yeah, it was a whole culture. So, so here's the kind of thing you're saying. I mean, look, you know, Stanley Kubrick was an interesting guy in terms of yeah, because he pushed the aesthetic in a certain way that no one was doing, and I feel like part of what he was doing aesthetically is based upon the type of stories that he's telling you know mm-hmm. like if he was a, if he was telling different stories I don't know if, what he evolved into doing or becoming with like those 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 three movies in the 70s mm-hmm. would have been like oh my god this guy because it's really the three movies in the 70s everyone is well, Dr. Strange Love yeah right. well Strange Love but you know but Clockwork Orange Bray and Linden and The Shining like those mm-hmm. are the three that everyone is like oh my this guy what the fuck is this guy doing right. I mean, the other stuff is great too, but I think you know, obviously, two thousand one, and but it's like I think what you're saying about like like where does the aesthetic come from, like and like where do these art movements come from? It's like there was a sense of like uh, uh, social repression mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways right. that caused yeah. people to come up with these mm-hmm. kind of art styles. Like 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 to me, like one of my favorite things that I do deep dives on are the various art movements in the 20th century, you know, mm-hmm. the, the surrealists, the, the, you know, these, these existentialists, all this kind of stuff, because these mm-hmm. guys, four or five guys, 10 guys would come together, create something that would kind of like explode. The French wave. Yeah, that, that would explode yeah. out to sure. the thing. But I think that what happened is, and it's funny because Francis Coppola predicted this when he, in that documentary on uh, Hearts of Darkness, on oh, the yeah. thing, he was saying, oh, you know what's going to happen? Once film cameras become the size of you know you put in your pocket then it's going to democratize it and you don't mm. need to have all these kind of like designs and the barriers of entry will all disappear and therefore so we're in this state now where that's what it is because if you buy a phone you spend six hundred dollars you have the ability to do what's technically what would cost someone hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars to do t- 20 years ago wow. yeah. you know, or, or, or millions of dollars to do like mm. 30 years ago 20 people's jobs yeah, yeah. Mm. Like easily like, <laughs> and, and the thing is is that, that you have the brain power to do it all mm-hmm. um, and the, and then the AIs and the apps kind of save it the all the guy used to pull focus that's yeah. the job yeah. <laughs> and, and now you just, yeah. it's automatic it's automatic <laughs> yeah. you know? I want to correct the color in camera I can do it now yeah. you know, all, I'm going to like you would have played around with the different edits you do all that now yeah. the thing is, is is that what happens is 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 that now that like everyone's ideas become um like everyone's ideas get get unleashed all at once sure you know so again it was what you're saying about these kids today see so much like you are gonna like you're gonna expose yourself to so much because you can Mm -hmm. you know and you do and you will i mean right now like like my brother's working on this movie with this this girl, I think she's like 23 or 24, something like that. And it's interesting to see how they like went out and shot this thing, just the two of them and everything. And it's funny because you talk to them and you see what they're trying to do. And it's and it's like they have an understanding of what 
the craft is because because mm. everyone has seen enough content to know mm-hmm. what the fuck you do anything mm-hmm. but they don't know like the technical thing behind mm. what this is so like hey i was like hey you, you know what you guys should do you guys should do a jump cut here they were like they were like what's that and i was like you guys don't know what a jump cut is <laughs> you know it's kind of weird that's like yeah. and i was like you just you know you just like i don't try to cut to another shot just cut within the shot mm-hmm. and they were like oh yeah we can do that and it's interesting just to know like what people are exposing themselves yeah, to yeah. how much they see that is just available to them that is shifting how they're thinking and i think that's why these art movements aren't around because sure. there's no because also number one everyone is putting out their work in progress stuff yeah. or their first things immediately mm-hmm. you know like back in like if like if i'm like one of these guys you know, like what you know, the uh, the expressionists in Germany, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm those German expressionism guys, I'm creating all that stuff like like in my loft. I'm not showing you the work in progress this because mm-hmm. it's not there in my own head. I'm only showing it to you when I go. This is the expression of my idea. This is yeah. full expression of my idea. I mean, I saw this really cool um, uh, painting or whatever sketch the other day. This guy he had a triangle, and it was like and it was like the artist at work. And like I'd say that like. That ninety percent of the triangle just said to work on it, right? And the last ten percent, it's it said work that you see, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, yeah, because you as the artist spend a lot of time working stuff that no mm-hmm. one's gonna, that you're never gonna show anyone. Right. Sure. But I think today kids just show stuff the minute they do it, the oh, minute yeah. they, because you can you tell throw a filter out, throw it out, <laughs> and, and they're and they're they're beta testing it, right? You know, because because if you watch if you watch anyone's TikTok or do the reels, you if people are are in it like this, I you, you bet you do a thousand. Of these, mm-hmm. you watch their growth yes. in the production production value. Yes, sure. If they're interested in doing it and Correct. feel like Absolutely. I gotta keep doing Correct. it, yeah. and and that's where you and I think maybe five years ago, and you'll you save them lean that. into the themes of the yeah. topics yeah. and whatever. Yeah, too. yeah. but they're also sure. self sufficient. Like I know King Batch. King mm-hmm. Batch uh, is a machine. Mm-hmm. He bought a big mansion. He just makes content every single day. But he also has a thousand different brand sponsors and yeah. they have agendas and obviously we're talking about cinema versus just like content mm-hmm. uh, and there's a, a clear de- delineation from a quality <laughs> standpoint and, a, and an objective standpoint of, of the story that we're, we're receiving but I do still wonder in terms of just the overall we're we're inundated with so much stuff like even my even my girls like she's constantly uh she watches more TV than I do. Oh, really? That's so funny. she's telling me about shows. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going on. I'm yeah. obviously writing it over here. But it just it just shows, like, she's probably watching eight shows concurrently. So okay. it's just like we used to wait back in the day for our yes. show to come. Like, yes. we couldn't wait till Wednesday yes. at this time. Yes. There were just all these, 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 these processes towards the experience that have just shifted. And I just... I'm always concerned about that. Just before before we go, I want to talk about this one thing. So you were saying earlier, I talk about this a lot, Mm -hmm. and I was telling the kids yesterday, I was like, be more than just a writer, kind of what you were talking about. If you can be a hyphen, it be a hyphen, it. And I'm, I'm not talking about taking it to TikTok. That's one thing. Yeah, I'm talking about having friends. Somebody's a DP, somebody's an editor, somebody's a whatever. I'm talking about that type of Mm -hmm. You can still focus on just being a writer, but what will happen is it will force you to become a producer. Yeah, because now you have to produce the thing you wrote. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a business, right? Yeah. When I went to the school the other day and and spoke to the students, um, one of the kids said. Very shyly, it was funny. At the end, he was, you know, introduced to him and said, he said, 
I, I decided I don't really know if I really want to be a writer. And I went, oh, really? He says, I think I want to do stunts. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, I love it. He says, oh, I thought you were going to hate it. <laughs> I said, why? I said, use it. He says, what do you mean? I said, still learn how to write so you can have a conversation with a writer. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, and we, but we all know this, some writers will write an action scene and be like, they fight. <laughs> you got to take that mm-hmm. and turn it into a fight mm-hmm. that's, you know, within the tone and theme of the I movie that, the moves the that, that moves the story, that moves the story, that moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. But you got to be creative. I say, have you taken martial arts? He says, yeah, I do Taekwondo. I said, good. I said, how's your parkour? He's like, oh, I don't know. I said, work on it. You know, anything you could do to make yourself better, yeah. you're going to be better. And I said, he says, well, how am I going to be able to shoot something? And I said, you're in film school. What are you talking about? And I looked over and I just you talked to a, I just talked phone. to a director. I said, y'all know each other, right? He said, yeah. And he says, he wants to shoot something. Yeah. You're a director. Hey, you're a writer. You do Let's stunts. do something in the, in the freaking, in this room today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of Make course. a little two minute, whatever, boom, boom. You know, you just choreograph something, whatever. You just produced it. You just produced they uh, a little right there. I said it's that easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just start. It doesn't have to be perfect. It will get better. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, wow, I don't have to do it. He well, was he, all he excited. Was, he, see, but see, I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier about kind of degrees. Like, you know, you look at social media and and there's so much that we know is like it's it's so reproduced mm-hmm. to the point that everyone are trying to make it look like it's it's not oh, yeah. reproduced you mm-hmm. know but it's like but if the you ideas do- are running out yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of repetitive stuff and it's too much repetitive sorry, stuff. So, it's already so much you can do within that framework but if you add if you have a joke that has uh, potential to, ex- to expand there you have an idea that can be expanded then there's gold right but you know what's happening is like the people who have the skill set you know yourselves mm-hmm. uh, you got your own shit going on you know yeah. it's, a, it's a booming time in yeah. the business why would I go and waste any time with, with, with these up and comers because at this point they just seem like those little kids playing in the in the backyard <laughs> but I'm also almost like when Jay-Z said back in there about J. Cole I'm way more concerned about that kid eating the box of Apple Jacks for that mm. child who says, Mommy, I don't want a video game. I want three iPhones mm. and some and some handheld tripods or some grips. That kid, mm-hmm. with the time that we have, is going to be special. Yes. Because they have so much time to do yes. it. I wish I had like Spielberg as a kid. As a kid. Just you know playing well, with yeah, the camera. Well, yeah. You know I mean, that's, look. You know, I had a handheld mini DV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the thing that everyone... You know, there was always a story about the kids who were making movies when they were kids, you know? And it's like, yeah, when you were like, you know, in the, seven, the 60s and 70s, I guess Spielberg's in the fi- late 50s, you get a chance to make a movie. It was like your dad was going to give you a like Super 8 camera or something like that. That was such a rare thing. Right. And, you know, you got to experiment and make mistakes. I mean, to me, it's like, look, you got to make the mistakes. You got to experiment. I think a lot of people, I think this kid you're telling me, the stunt mm-hmm. kid, is almost like, He's afraid to make the mistakes yeah. because everything today is so curated, so overproduced, and I don't think they know it. Mm-hmm. Like Green screened like, and everything. I mean, and I mean, not <clears throat> well. You look, I see stuff, and you go, you know what? Like, like you made something look like that you didn't spend any effort, 
But right. I know that to make something look like you just <laughs> yes. made, to, to make it yes. good and not really yes. any effort, you have to really do that. You might have right. done a hundred takes to get that take. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think the kids or whatever the young it's people choreographed. They, they they watch it and mm-hmm. they think, wow, they did that in that one take. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the process. The, the of it. process yeah. of like yeah. you know we, you always used to hear about why like again Kubrick or Fincher sure. we could get a hundred takes on this shot you know <laughs> everyone's like what the fuck man with, and it, with film yeah, you know yeah but, <laughs> in, your, but in your head you're saying to yourself hundred <laughs> takes blah 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 but like I guarantee you every time you do that you it's a there's a there's a reason why you want that many takes think, think of it this way everybody I know who's a digital photographer right now mm-hmm. she's with the, the, the you know the DSR cameras and everything like that they go and they go, oh, yeah, man, I wouldn't got shot, shot a thousand shots for someone, you know, for their headshots. Mm-hmm. I'm like, motherfucker, if you had to shoot on film, <laughs> you get 24 rolls. Right. Right. You're not going to shoot a thousand. Right. You have to yeah. really learn your craft. Right. And to shoot a thousand means you're just like blanketing it until you find what you want sure. in the piece. And like, mm-hmm. I just think, think, think of my brother and him and, his, and this girl, they're doing a the thing. They shot this person who's like, who's dead in the surf down in Malibu, you know, mm-hmm. on water. And literally, like, and like, like, Every shot, they only got like six takes, mm. but every take, the guy is moving a little bit because mm. the water's cold oh. blah, and he's not fully breathing. And I was like, "See, so you guys should have got a hundred takes. Should have got hundred takes. Would have cost you nothing. At a certain, at a certain point, mm. he's no longer cold from the water. He's just, yeah. I'm, I am cold, and it's okay, right. you know. But the early time in the water, oh, this, this, early in the morning, and shit, you know, yeah, you get up early. He's supposed to be dead. Yeah, face just moving. Yeah, exactly, and, and, and that's why I see you guys. That's why I said you guys you do jump cuts because yeah. you can jump around him, his fingers. Shattered, his, his, yeah, shattered, you know. But it's like, do, but if you did a hundred takes, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's gonna be mad around take ten. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> pissed at take fifty. But you know what, dude? But I mean, but he'll be warm. He'll be warm. <laughs> that's, I remember that's what Nicole Kidman has said about eyes watch that. They were like, there was a point mm-hmm. when you're in take 60, 70 that you don't even know what's happening. You're mm-hmm. just like doing it. You know, and that, and I, and I know that people do that because, you know, with the fucking phone, it's like you put it on burst mode, you get a ten shots in a second. You right. know, where's and yeah. ten shots in a second, whatever it is, there's that little micro expression that's going on somewhere. Oh, yeah. If you, yes, you'll find the the one that you want if you look at it. Well, I can do it again. Just do it again. Mm. Um, it's 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 it, it, it's a very interesting time. You know, I need to catch up on Euphoria. I haven't watched any of this season. Yeah. Um, I think it's a wild show. I've only seen the pilot. But it, it, they know, shoot here. Yeah. So. I, 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 but it's a, it's a, it's just a. I mean, there's something I'm working on that is about that. It's about like people who are like set in 2035, and it's mm-hmm. just about people who are like who would be five now. Like five now. What's your life like at 2035? Because sure. it's like I don't want to do a science fiction show that's like. Set forty years from now, hundred years from now. There's no Earth in hundred years from now. You know? we, right. we, we're fucking it completely. So I was like, yeah, ten years, fifteen years from now. I was like, yeah. it's the real inflection point. And my buddy said, hey, man. the other day he was like, hey man, I think we'll, I think we're gonna lose like two billion people from starvation, from famine, and <laughs> there's not gonna in, be any in, clouds in the anymore. 30s and in the forties, I was like, well, let, let me. Uh, I was like, what? Let me let me add to this doomsday then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at a. Possible global drought that we're not yes. that we're not paying that's, attention that's, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the famine. You don't have water. Hey man, <laughs> it's not good. You know, not good. But it's interesting. Like I tell people this all the time. Uh, a twenty-two-year-old was born in two thousand. Wow. They don't know a world. <clears throat> 
without YouTube. That's right. They don't know a world without social media. They haven't socialized in the way that grandma used to tell you, go outside and play or mm-hmm. go do, you know, go use your imagination. They've right. had technology they don't care about at having a disposal. Bike. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, don't even, I haven't seen a kid riding <laughs> a bike in exactly. so long. I've seen grown men ride bikes right. all the time. Not, don't, don't want their license. Bike. Don't, yeah, just, don't want their driver's license. None of that. They're just crazy. video gaming it because, yeah. you know, these are... The realities of the of the world that that we're in, I, I find it a lot of I find a lot of fascination in those stories as well. So do I. So do yeah. I. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you were starting to talk about this new project. Did you talk about what's next? Uh, before yeah. We wrap up. Yeah, um, I've, I've been doing a lot of stuff with with Ha Ha Davis. It's been um, it's been an interesting year. Uh, he just, go follow him on on uh, Instagram. On Instagram, you guys get a chance. And uh, so we just got a offer from a podcast distributor he has a, a podcast okay. uh called the fellas podcast and um it's doing pretty well mm-hmm. got a lot of people from the culture came down a lot of people in the rap community and hip-hop what's he what's he talking sports. about like what's he uh so we've had <laughs> guests like Jalen rose come by mm-hmm. you may know you may know who uh sada baby is mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of detroiters local i mean um for our first four for our first four episodes a lot of people came through mm-hmm. um it's a it's a it's a hip hop sports okay. sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Young guys, it's called fellas. So we're just really talking about things that pertain to to to, to the fellas nowadays. Okay. Um, he's that been sounds able to a little get bit like of, those. Uh, what's his name? Hey, Susan. What's that mean? Oh, uh, these is Amaro. Yeah, these is yeah. yeah I, I, a little bit. These is Amaro would be cool. I yeah. mean, uh, it, this is him and, and this comedian named Blackberry, who's sort sort of his uh, partner in in this uh, thing, but. As I mentioned before, Haha has a ton of like high mm-hmm. level friends, so we're gonna bring a lot of folks on the show. That's Snoop, yeah. uh, it's, I won't go through a whole bunch of names, mm-hmm. but we're pretty excited. Revolt it was is the podcast okay. network. I was gonna uh, ask you where you're shooting, but now yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Revolt podcast. <clears throat> we're gonna shoot some stuff uh, out in L.A., mm-hmm. Detroit, and Atlanta. Okay, so we're gonna get talent from all those. So it's places. remote. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. from, it'll, be, it'll be remote. Mm-hmm. We're gonna stack up some episodes. He nice. just got a. a the leading role in this movie called Stealing Jokes. Okay. Uh, what would originals? Um, Dan uh, Gilbert uh, is producing it. And then we're going to come off the back of that. I wrote this movie called Coney Island. Nice. Uh, if you guys are from Detroit, you know Coney Island is a diner uh, out there. Pretty popular in terms of just being a staple of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Coney Island is actually the oldest building in Detroit. Is it right? Just from a background standpoint. Yeah. Mm. So we wanted to have a lot of fun with this. It's a... Uh, we're gonna do it independently. We've gotten uh, some really cool, soft commitments. Mm-hmm. That's been the the funniest thing. We haven't even gone to outside of talent. Mm-hmm. We had relationships with the talent. We haven't even gone to like financiers or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just been like we're it's, all, it's all just coming together. There's billionaires on, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, and exactly. then what's happening with all these? I, I don't understand the whole breakdown. There's so many people who want to get into the space, mm-hmm. and it's been demystified. Because the barrier entry right. doesn't is a little is a little wider than than it used to be, and now you're just seeing, you know, a plethora of folks who want to get involved. And outside of the script and the, the production itself, financing is the hardest part. Just getting the money, yep. you know, distribution obviously has its own has its own challenge. But you can circumvent those things because it's so formulaic. Yep. All right, I got. This actor, that actor, this actor, that actor. Built-in audience. <laughs> we got the audience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I what, mean, what are we doing? Yeah, up, up I mean, you just, it's interesting because 
distribution now with so many platforms. I mean, you could even self-distribute. I mean, mm-hmm. like someone's telling me I haven't seen it, but someone's telling me like, you know, like Louis C.K. has his special, his mm-hmm. new comedy special. He just distributes through his own website. And of course, it's like five dollars because who's gonna fucking you know, like, admit to going to one of his shows. But, there you go. You know, but it's interesting. But Cheaper than a ticket. Yeah, but to me, it's like, I remember, he, he, I remember people used to say to me, like, it's funny you say that, because, like, money people used to say to me, well, money's a commodity. People want to spend it. You just mm-hmm. got to find the people to find the person who wants to You'd spend it. You'd be surprised. It. It's man. always that. I mean, people. This is rich people telling me this. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, why don't you write that check then? <laughs> you don't write the check. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't see you writing it. So. Yeah. But to a degree, it kind of is. It, it, but if you th- if you think about the components of it, mm-hmm. the the money is the commodity. Sure. Because it's it doesn't matter. Hey, if you give me drug money, fine. If you give me it from Russia, <laughs> fine. If you give me money from Wall Street, fine. <clears throat> if it's from your parents' estate, fine. What but but what, what, what the money can't do? Why the money is is agnostic where it is? Can't get the story. Can't get the people. Sure, you know, yeah. like 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 the the like haha and and your scripts are fucking unique there's right. no other version of that there's mm-hmm. no we can't re, we can't replace those I'm sure oh if, if the because you know if the money falls out you could get more money yeah yeah you know, but the script falls could. out you ain't gonna get it. right <laughs> so yeah, you gotta have those other yeah things. but yeah i mean it's it's uh i just think you know you have those people in the past most most people who who have money only invest in things that they know that's kind right. of been like the rule of thumb mm-hmm. right but now they know this business now because it's you know i want to tell people all the time like the nft space if you're not really looking at what's happening in nfts then i feel bad because they're just smart contracts mm-hmm. and essentially if we all were going to make a movie writer director executive producer and we had a, a, a nft of we nft our movie we can sell shares of our movie to our audience, to our community. Right. So people are doing that, yeah. And yeah. then they're vested in seeing the movie. The, not only seeing the movie, but they also participate in the return. Right. They own a piece of the film. Mm-hmm. All right. So five dollars from a million people—that's five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And I get to keep my movie. It's, it's my film. It's right. not the studio's film. It's the same five million dollars. Yeah, I have to go. There's a there's a lot of work legroom or hire people and find a great line producer all those different mm-hmm. things but the upside is that I get I get a bigger piece of my movie I get a bigger piece of my IP and I can control the destiny it's the same money it's the nice. same money so I think that those are also those things where the business is losing their reign you can crowdfund mm-hmm. I mean a lot of people have crowdfunding right now you can crowdfund to five million dollars mm-hmm. so. You know, well, see, this, we don't this, have this to. Was, I think this was interesting about if you do the. I just saw something the other day. I, I, I want to read more about because I've been looking at the NFT space. Sure. Like, oh, I can create, create these, make these money. But it's interesting thing. But the movie things is interesting, and the reason why I say this is because, um, I think part of why movies have really kind of like fallen off in the last decade is um, TV's gotten better. That's definitely one reason. No, I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm saying just if you look at cinema mm-hmm. in, as as like comparative to like say if you if you look at the indie scene of cinema from like '92 to 2002, mm-hmm. okay, and then what happened, right? And then why in the last 10 years, 15 years has been really shitty. Yeah, someone's talking to me the day, and I, and I, I haven't asked these people this, but it's like the Chinese market became huge, right? And so it wasn't always. No. Oh, okay. No. 
And I know that in like the mid, there was always this stuff about around the time of when Avatar came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of about like, how do we get more movies into China? Wow. How do we get okay. more movies into China? Because that's the only market where they're build, they're making 100 movie theaters like every week, right? Mm-hmm. Or 100 screens. They made 100, movies, 100 screens. So it's still growing. And some this guy was telling me, oh, well, you do know that the, the movies are being their contents being shifted to get past the Chinese censors sure right. and so therefore what we used to do we don't have the free reign to create the kind of stories that we want to make because we know that a, a lot of stories are going to be objectionable to the Chinese yep. government Chinese right. censor so therefore most of what we see is kind of watered down kind of not interesting like because it's taking the Chinese market into consideration yeah. for creating oh, yeah. yeah interesting oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I, cause like, you know, like, I saw the Batman the other day, right? Yeah, yeah. And everyone is talking to me ahead of time. Oh, honestly, it's going to be, like, seven, but in the Batman universe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I go and watch the movie, and I go, okay, they're trying to be seven. You're the, you're the <laughs> third person who said that. But Interesting. it's not seven. I was like, you know why? And I was like, because seven has an edge to it. I was like, I said to my friend, I said, hey, I, I, I remember when I walked out of the movie theater at a seven. And I was walking to my car. Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. After, okay, great. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I'm, yeah. I'm walking to my car in the parking lot. And I'm like looking over my shoulder. Like, oh, yeah. I'm yes. like, is there motherfuckers yes. like this around? Yes. Because, yes. That damn. Fucked you up. That fucked, fucked you up. Yeah. It, it left this thing on you yeah. like, Jesus Christ. And I, I realized it's like they showed, they showed some horrific violence like in that movie sure. that they don't show in Batman. They hint at it to a yeah. degree, but they don't show it, and therefore it doesn't have the same kind of... Um, it doesn't resonate as much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even that's... And, and even if you remember, like, you know, they, they show, like, four to killings, but there's that one guy who's, like, the woman who cut her nose off and everything like that, mm. and then the one guy who was, like, he had to fuck the girl with the dildo with the blade on it, you know? Mm. Like, like, like that, yeah. like, we don't see that killing, right. but that guy's reaction to what he had to do when he's mm. in, it's, like, he's crying, he's crying yeah. everything like that, it's, like, is, it, that is shocking to you yeah. as sure. the viewer. And there's but, nothing like that. But it's, sho- it's shocking to you at that time because media hadn't, hadn't like taken over our lives right. we're, we're so oversaturated with like stimuli yeah, we didn't have now during that did we no it wasn't big no. No. there's so much stimuli now like every single day we find out about something that's like disturbing mm-hmm. almost no. to the point where like we almost we're just we're desensitized we, we are but i think that my biggest point is when I, when you look at seven it's how everyone behaves to what they've seen Kevin yeah. Spacey, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. Because it killed it. it. Because I remember the other day when I was I was to, to do this acting class thing, and they were doing a scene from Macbeth, mm-hmm. you know, and the scene not sort of Hamlet when Hamlet kills the the guy behind the curtain, right, mm-hmm. and he comes back all bloody, and that was all done off stage. And then the wife is on stage. That actress is responding to what she's seeing mm-hmm. on stage, and we, the audience, are like feeling her pain. Mm-hmm. Because of how well she's acting, yeah. and it's like the be- and it's like that behavior, and we know the story. Right. And when the guy comes back on stage, all buddies, you're like, "We're like, fuck!" Is that-? But we're still a little shocked what it is. Yeah, and I yeah. just looked at like what happened in Batman. I was like, I don't see that level of tra- the transference of what the characters are doing mm-hmm. to the audience. You know, because yeah, yeah. I, I kind of told everybody one of the things about was interesting about 
eyes wide shut sure. in that scene where he's going through the little sex match and you don't see his face mm-hmm. is because oh he's cutting away to a blank face so you the audience can put yourself like in the scene more mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to experience Tom Cruise emotions like you yeah. do it you it's like almost an interactive thing and I feel like that's where we like like we're getting super saturated by events and like what the computer can do every and, single and, day and, you get a notice and, and, and your spin phone all this kind every of stuff, whatever it is but I, the the real human connection is yeah. in the movies sure is missing that yeah. i think is particularly in all the action films yeah, yeah. you know because it's like you know let's move the camera everywhere and cause these things to flip and shit come at you and blah 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 but it's like that 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 clear moment of you watching the person like 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 the, i mean we we're talking in class and i was like you know what's the one time when Denzel cries on screen is when he's, sure. getting, he's getting whipped in, uh, in glory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just you just watch the tear come down and, and you watch his jaw quiver. Mm. Camera doesn't move. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. simple. Yeah. And it's like because it's like a it's emotion transform. Do you remember in seven when we always saw Morgan Freeman? What was he doing? At what point? What do you mean? He was primarily it's, reading it's a newspaper right. every single yeah. time we saw yeah. him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Newspapers are done. 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 <laughs> done. They don't even exist anymore. I don't think they do. So, like, even that is from like a character development standpoint, from like a just a societal experience. Mm-hmm. We've just moved media. past. We're, we're, yeah. we're past it. Like it's it sped us up. The the paper was something that you know we would do. You flick the, it open. Slow it down. Process. Yeah. You read the day was going on. You fold your paper. Had your coffee. It's true. That's gone. It's true. You it know. Gone. You're on your phone. You're click, on your phone. Click, 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 and it click, comes. Click. And the things that you want specifically come to you. Not like a, a palette of things. Yeah. It's more so like I'm interested in fluffy dogs and then they come to you. Oh, yeah. You know? it's yeah the, the, AI, targeted, the AI is fucking yeah, the, algorithm, the algorithm is we all locked yeah, in, man. Yeah. As, soon as, as soon as you push like, yeah. the next time you scroll, it's the exact same well, thing well, in a different The worst thing is you say yeah. something and you say something right. And that they see part. you know you pick up your phone and you see shit, you're like I hate I that. I just said this. Yeah, they're, they're listening. <laughs> I just said I wanted to see some shoes yes, and now the shoes in my ad and Instagram. What the fuck? That I ain't part. got time for it. Yeah, yeah. It's so wild. yeah, man. Thank you so much for having hanging with us, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Now we've been talking about doing this for a minute, but yeah. you know timing is everything. We're yeah, glad to have it. you I know for it was sure. Long winded, but th- oh, appreciate no, it's it. All good. I mean, it's been great. Chop it up. We've been talking two hours on almost every episode okay. for a long time. Okay. So okay. It don't even matter. Oh, no, this was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks mm. for uh, the platform. Chris, man, it's good to see you. There's been a minute. It has uh, been a minute. Me and Chris go, for the people, me and Chris go way mm. back, man. I know. He keeps way back for me. You know, mm-hmm. like, like literally one of the first people I met in the town who uh, gave me a lot of advice and gave me a lot of guidance and helped uh, avoid potholes I didn't mm-hmm. foresee. So I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. You know. That's what's up. All right. And here we are, neighbors and shit. <laughs> he told me that. I he was like, right. Like, you know when you come upstairs, my, yeah. he's that door right No, I know right you told me. I know, I, I, I've trip. been over since I know, the, it's been a the, minute. Uh, this pandemic, whole pandemic whole, situation, yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Because I think, I think he told me that you had moved in I said, you, late 2019 or something uh, like that? Last year. We last, year. Last, year. Oh, last year. Okay, yeah. So... February. Um, so. yeah. oh, y'all moved in during the Rona? We did. I don't yeah. remember that. We yeah. did. I, mean, I, I thought it was before the Rona. I don't think yeah. I've been by your crib, dude. Maybe that one time I get the truck, but that's it, man. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. We wow. just be in there, man. I'm so, I'm so tired of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I still come here start, every man. day. Yeah. Every time you see me there, I'm coming here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 
I'm glad people are trying to reach, get some type of normalcy again, oh, yeah. man. I'm glad. I'm glad. The yeah. other day, I was at the fucking. Where was I? I was at the mall, and I was like, "All these motherfuckers with no masks on. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Everyone just collectively took them this. off. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. Where, right. can, where can people follow you? Where are you at? Uh, at P H O N O N Z E L L Finanzel on Instagram, and um, that's usually the best place to find. All right. That's what's that. Where you at, Chris? Unauthorized mm-hmm. CBD on Twitter and Instagram. For sure. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. That's the Twitter, like I'm cool, just so you know. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me at Hilliard Guest. Uh, you can follow me also on Clubhouse. I'm very rarely on there, but I'm on there every once in a while. Um, also, check out Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We are everywhere. Um, Chris has been working on you know, the, the website. So what we got over there, Chris? Uh, if you go to screenwritersrr.com, you can support the show. you find a link to our Patreon page where there's various tiers where you can you know, drop $2, $5, $20, $100. $2,000. custom money you can do. Uh, there's, what, there's T-shirts up there now. There's mugs coming up soon. Uh, just trying to just trying to work out the fulfillment of all that. Uh, there might be some some other secret stuff that could come up soon. Um, yeah, but screenwritersrr.com, and we will uh, see you there. Indeed, everybody joining us for 2020, 2022, 2022. 2022. God damn it, twenty twenty two. I'm still off. I, still, I guess you can't say. <laughs> I always it. say I, I guess we can't say. It. You can't figure out twenty twenty two. Got it. <laughs> Y'all know how we doing on the rant room on the show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. Opinionated. We keep it what everybody. Twenty twenty two. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, they used to bowl kaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the rent room